here we are, exactly where we expected to be, the SEC championship against a very familiar foe, and that is, of course, Bama. Now, there's not going to be any fancy intro this week, but I will give a personal heartfelt thanks to each and every one of our sponsors during this show, so stick around for that. Now, King Kirby always talks about that quiet confidence that his players have come game time. So I'm not going to rant and rave this week. I'm not nervous. I'm really not. Not one bit. I'm not scared about this game. And neither should you. Because in every possible metric that you can find, we're better than Alabama. And here's one that you may not have thought about. Let's talk about the common opponents, which are Tennessee, Ole Miss, Kentucky, and Auburn. Our average margin of victory is almost two touchdowns better than Bama's overall. And the folks in the desert, the ones that set all the betting lines, they think that we should win by a touchdown. So for all of those reasons, you should just relax too. We have the opportunity to witness something that has never been done. Beating Satan. I mean, beating Saban in Atlanta. So that doesn't scare me. That gets me jacked up. We get to crush their playoff dreams. That shouldn't make you nervous. That should make you horny. Now, we have an amazing show this week with special guests. Dari Noka from the SEC Network joins us again. And I just have one question for him. I want to know, in what world does Georgia sit at number one in the college football playoff rankings, in the AP poll, in the coaches poll, wins two natties, wins 29 games in a row, and should we happen to lose to Alabama, how in the world would we not be one of the four best teams? I don't think that's going to happen, but I wanted to know what he had to say. Stick around for that. Cassidy Pearson is here. Dogger is here. And the stat freak, Burt Hodges, in here. And I'm very excited about this next one. After months of chasing and begging and negotiating, we have landed our whale. Coaching legend Lou Holtz will join us. And trust me when I say that it is a must see. And now we're going to kick it off with the Ortho Georgia Injury Report, starring Dr. Ryan Snetzer. Here for possibly the most important injury update of the entire college football season is Dr. Ryan Snetzer. Welcome back. Hey, nice, nice to be here. Uh, you know, got a big one this week. Uh, I had a couple guys that uh, that didn't play last week for whatever reason. You know, I feel like you know McCocky didn't play, Rara didn't play, uh, Ratledge, Bowers. You know, a lot of these guys. I think it's just just give them an extra week of rest, try to get ready for a big game this week. Uh, I think came out most of them were, were are going to be. I think he even said they were questionable this week. I think that's just you know, saying hey, they're questionable, but they're probably still going to play. Uh, you know, I think that's, that's the big thing. I think it was just trying to give everybody a little more rest last week. All right, I'm going to ask you a player, and you tell me whether you think they're going to play. All right. Brock Bowers. I think he plays. Tate Ratledge. I think he I think he plays. I think even Coach had said he was probably as close as could have played last week if they really needed him. Uh, Lad McConkey. Plays. Ra rah. I think he plays. I heard a rumor today that he was practicing in a red jersey. I mean, he, he may be, uh, you know, but I think I think all these guys are going to play. I mean, it's you know, you, you basically you can throw we can throw out the rest of the year now. This is the biggest game of the year, you know. I think 
in some aspects, this is kind of like a playoff game for us. You know, I mean, I, I kind of disagree with it. I think we we should be able to get in even with a loss, but I think that definitely it's going to be it's going to be tough with the way things have gone this year, unless there's some other games that go away we don't expect. Um, so, in all essences, I mean, this is the first round of playoffs. You're exactly right, and and Dari Noka is going to come on later. And I asked him. I said, "Okay, here's the deal. Everybody says we're number one. Coaches, AP, the committee." We've won 29 in a row. In what world do we go play one football game and let's just say we lose to Alabama, who's arguably the best, second best team in America? Mm-hmm. How would we magically go from not being from being the top team to not one of the top four well, teams? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. And I, and I you know, and it all just, it, here's the deal I do not envy those people in that room if let's just say Georgia loses, okay? And let's say Texas wins, Florida State wins. Uh, Michigan wins, and then you sit here and you, you've got a one-loss Georgia, a one-loss Texas, a one-loss Alabama, and you've got three undefeateds. So the three undefeateds, I think you put in. As, or they're going to say you got to put the undefeated conference champions in, right? Uh, I disagree. I disagree. I, no, I, I agree with you. Look, here's, I'm just saying like, they're going to look at this. Like, How do you leave out? I mean, I've got it right here. We, you want to look at what are, what are we looking for in the playoffs? Are we looking for the best four right now? Are we looking for the best four? From their whole body of work, we look at quality wins and quality losses. Um, I mean, what wh- what is your number one criteria? Well, I think it's all of those. And so, if you're if you're looking for if part of that is the best four right now, then Florida State does not meet that metric. I mean, they barely yeah, no, beat Florida. And, and, and let's look at who does Florida State has a, as a quality win? I mean, you got LSU, who Georgia has beaten, or not Georgia, but Alabama has beaten and beat pretty handedly. Right. I mean, if you go back and look at that FSU LSU game. LSU dominated that first half and just didn't get the ball in the end zone and then lost the second half. Right. Okay. Um, and then right. the only other ranked team that they played at the time was Duke. And now they got Louisville who just got beat by Kentucky. So, I mean, yeah, they're being punished for the conference they're in, but you know, they have, they have in theory, they have one quality win. I know. Um, and so, I mean, if you, if you look at all this and we start to say who's played ranked teams and, you know, obviously you're limited by your conference you know, Florida State went out and played a tough out-of-conference schedule playing LSU. But, I mean, unfortunately, the ACC is down this year. You know, Clemson is not what they have been. Um, so, I mean, not that I'm trying to dog on Florida State. I mean, but, you know, they're, they're – they're look, it doesn't matter what conference. If you're going undefeated, you've got a pretty good team. Um, yeah. So, it, it's going to be it's going to be tough this year barring, you know, you know, if, if everybody wins, it's supposed to win, then it's easy, right? You put the, you put the undefeated teams in and there you go. Uh, if we start having some upsets and you get some one-loss teams and we're having to make an argument for three or four teams for one spot, it's going to be tough. Well, I think it's going to work itself out, and it's going to be real simple when we beat Alabama. Right, exactly. We, we win, we're in. There's no doubt about that, right? But uh, And we come in with number one. We're playing in the Sugar Bowl, uh, which would be great. Um, All right, I'm going to throw you some curveballs. Julian Humphrey. You know, he's still questionable. We've got the upper extremity injury. Um you know, I I know he, he obviously wants to be out there. We need him out there. I mean, he, he was com- really coming on strong there. Um, you know, I don't I don't know. You know, he hasn't played with two been out two weeks now. Uh, we don't really know the extent of what kind of injury he even had. They never kind of even said anything, so I, it's hard to say without having any kind of idea other than just upper extremity injury. All right, 
Here's one that you're starting to hear some rumors bubbling up about. JDJ, number 10. What are you hearing? Yeah, so three weeks now on him. Right. Yep. You know, again, we did, again, I don't know the extent. They keep saying he's week to week. Um, you know, I think if he can play, he's going to play. Right? I mean, I think if they can find some way to get him, to get him out there, and you know, we kind of talked about this with these forearm injuries and these forearm breaks, it really depends on where it is and if you need any kind of rotational stability to it, you know, that means you got to put a cast above the elbow. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see. Could, could he play? Certainly could. They may try to make some interesting breaks for him. Certainly he knows, you know, he wants to get out there and play. I think he, I don't, I don't see him playing. I think he's in the playoffs, but I don't think. I mean, I would agree. I mean, if it's a, a, you know, we talk about it. If you, you break, you have a bone, you have a fracture in your forearm. You're looking at, you know, six weeks to heal then then back. Yeah. So, I mean, just for my own education, he's three weeks into this fractured bone. The bones lined up. It's healing. But the healing, what you're telling me, I think, is that it's not the bone hasn't healed all the way through or it's not yeah, a so strong you know, heal. Yeah, so how bone heals, it, it forms like a um, basically like a calcium deposit or a callus around the bone. So the bone ends are kind of lined up. Then there's a callus formation. And then that callus has to go through like remodeling where it actually like turns into bone. And it just takes time. So mm-hmm. you know, if you were to take an x-ray now, you'd probably see a fairly large like kind of callus around that area. Uh, which gives it some minimal stability. So you would have some minimal stability. Um, but if you get too much motion through there, then it's just not going to remodel into bone and heal. So you still got to limit the motion to allow it to heal. All right, here's another one. Branson Robinson. Will he be back for this game? I'm just messing with you. He's not going to be back. <laughs> yeah. Um, are you going? Yes. Are you taking kids? Taking my older two girls, my 10-year-old and my 8-year-old. You're taking Jesse. Yes, she is going as well. Um, yeah, I think my kids, they're actually, my 10-year-old and my 8-year-old are already harping on me, taking them to Houston if we make it there. Um, and I was like, look, kids, one, we got to make it there. Two, you're in school. Uh, and they, they, I mean, every they probably remind me at least once a day that I've, that I've got to take them to Houston if we make it. Well, that's what sick days are for, Dad. I know. I understand. So. But, you know, it's going to be that day. <laughs> it'll be a Snetzer four-pack, not the full five-pack for the game. Yep, yep. It'll be four, four, it was six. We're leaving two of them at home. We've got two other ones. Oh, two, that's yeah, right. Yeah. I forgot. we got a six-year-old and a three-year-old stay, staying with uh, with my mom and dad. Uh, and do they know that they're not making the cut yet? They understand. But, you know, the six-year-old, she's like, whatever. Uh, she doesn't really understand it yet. Uh, she loves right. going to the game, but, when she, but she, could, she could take it or leave it right now. But the eight-year-old. You stay. Are you staying up there? Or coming back? Come, we're just gonna drive up. And drive back. Yeah. So. That's that's what I'm gonna do. Yeah. It's gonna be nasty weather. Yeah, yeah. I know. We're, we got to find a, found us a little indoor tailgate, so we're gonna do that. So we're not gonna be outside, and you know, we're gonna have a good time. Looking forward to glad it's done. You know, that's one thing. You know, speaking of nasty weather and in conference championship games, I still cannot believe that the ACC would have an outdoor championship game with the weather. It could be a significant variable in a game. And, you know, what happens, I mean, here's the deal. If Florida State loses that game and doesn't make the playoffs and they lose because of a fumble, because of a wet field or a ball or something like that, how much money does that cost the conference not getting the team in the playoffs? That's a great point. So that game's in Charlotte, and I guess the uh, weather outlook is about like yeah. it is in Atlanta. So, I mean, you're just adding another variable to a game that you really don't want. You want the best team to win. You don't want weather to be the one that – determines that. I and mean, look at the NFL with these Super Bowls. They're they're going away from these cold weather, bad weather games in the Super Bowl. Like, 
they had that one in New York, and they said, look, man, unless you have a dome up north, you're not really going to get a Super Bowl. So, um, so that's a night game in Charlotte. Yep, cold, rainy, night game. Maybe that's why the line's only two and a half. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, Louisville, both, you know, Florida State did not look good against Florida. I mean, again, that's a rivalry game. You can say whatever you want to say. You know, we can say Georgia didn't look good against Georgia Tech. You can say Alabama didn't look good against Auburn. You know, rivalry games, you kind of you take out the record a little bit. Um, but, you know, they did not look good. Um, but Louisville, the same thing. You can definitely say that Washington, Washington didn't look good against Washington State. Yeah. I mean, it took a walk-off. Yeah. With the most with the ballsiest fourth down call maybe of the entire year. Yeah. So um, you know, with, uh, Washington what a ten point dog or something is Oregon this week. Did I, see that? I think they're going to get beaten worse than that. What, what was do you do you happen to remember what the line was in the first game at Washington? Was it like a three point line or something? The that's a great question. That's more of a dogger question. Yeah, I don't but, know. Um, yeah, it was something but, tight like that. Yeah. So I mean. Is Oregon gotten that much better? You think, and Washington is just not as good. I mean, I mean, yeah, Oregon I think, I think missed down calls, but yep, you know, there, there were some. You know, Lanning took that one on the chin, said I shouldn't have done that. But uh, I mean, Washington found a way to win, man. Like, I mean, people are. I don't know if Washington somehow gets in, they'll be this year's TCU. They've had all these breaks fall their way and all these close games. Penix, yeah. he's great. He's not the second coming of Jesus like everybody wants him, right. tries to make yeah, him out to be. He's, good. he's a good quarterback, um, not a great quarterback. Yeah, so I hope they get in because mm-hmm. somebody from the Pac-12 is getting in anyway. Yep, that's right. And I'd rather play I'd rather play uh, Penix than Knicks. Well, we have kind of owned Knicks a little bit. We have, but I mean – I guarantee you Dan Lanning has closed the gap between now and that first game we played him against last year when it was 45 to three. Yeah. I mean, and that was a tough one for him. You know, first game as a head coach coming in, traveling to bring your team across the country, playing basically a home game for us um, with a real, I mean, obviously that team was good. I mean, when I defeated national champions, but I mean, that was a tough game for Oregon to come in with a, with a first year coach. They've definitely gotten better. They've improved. I mean, they're a good team. They're no doubt. I mean, I think Oregon's a great team. Um, so uh, I think it would be a closer game. I still think, I still think we're we, we I, still, I still think we're a better team. If Oregon had won that game, the hype machine would have gone into overdrive, and they would be number one right now. Uh, and yeah, probably. I mean, I don't know. I mean, again, what what will who they? I mean, you got to look at the Pac-12. I mean, they're they're kind of down. And USC was not what USC what we thought they were going to be. Utah has turned out to be not who we thought they were going to be. Um, and, you know, so who 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 have they played? I mean, they played Washington, who they lost to. Uh, and look, you know they played Utah and they played Oregon State. So teams that, that if you look at their schedule now, the only team they played that's currently ranked is Washington. I agree with everything you're saying, but I, you just know how the media hype machine is. It's like here's a new team, here's a shiny new object for us to promote. Pac-12's yeah. yeah. going away. We need them out there. Yeah. You know, we need them in the playoff. Uh, we want that market. You know, that TV market. Yeah. And so we know how this works. Oh, I understand. I mean, I understand it. There's, there's the push for everybody, but again, you know, they're, they're being limited by their conference schedule, which I mean, it's all going to change next year. And 
we have these more these mega conferences now with with you know the big whatever they're going to be sixteen or eighteen whatever they're going to have in the Big Ten, growing across the country, and then SEC had to do more schools. I mean, you know. Well, you know, to the point that here's something nobody talks about. Why does Michigan get to have their AD on the committee? No other team in college football has their AD on the playoff committee. Oh uh, yeah, there are. There are some other ones. Uh, one of the guys stepped down that was on there. The guy at um, yeah. I mean, okay, let me change that. No other team of consequence. No other team in the current yeah in the current top four top six has a has a person on the committee. But every if Josh has, oh, if Josh Brooks. If Josh Brooks is on that committee, that's that be all we SEC hear about all the time. We do have an AD on the committee. Who is it? There should be somebody from the SEC on the committee. I'd have to look it up. I don't even know who it is. Vandy? Is that who it is? No, I'm just no, making, pulling that out We're of there. We should have somebody rallying for us from, from our conference. I pull it up because I don't oh, think we do. Right. I'll pull it up too. Yeah, i got to look that up right now. Current uh, CFP. All right, let's see if we can pull it up here. Uh, selection committee. Barnhart. And I got to look at where these people are from now. Uh, US. Okay, Kentucky, inconsequential. There you go. You got, I think, Iowa, Iowa should be on there. Arizona State. Yeah. Wyoming. Georgia State. NC State. Colorado. Nebraska. Kansas State. I mean, it's. It's nobody of any consequence. Yeah, but that, you know, so Michigan, yeah, they got theirs. But I mean, at some point, Brooks will probably be on that committee. I think it's a two-year or four-year commitment. Um, yeah, but but by that point, it won't matter because it'll be twelve teams. Yeah, I mean, this is the last year where this. I mean, here's you're always going to, but even then, you're always going to argue those last two spots are going to be debated if it's four teams, six teams, eight teams, or twelve teams. You're always going to have to debate. Here's, here's, here's my point. If Georgia loses to Alabama, do you think that the AD for Michigan wants Georgia in the Final Four? Of course he doesn't. No, I mean, he doesn't. But I mean, I would, I would, you know, I'm going to be the the optimist here and say he's going to vote who he thinks is the best and do. But yes, does in his heart does he want that? No, he does not. Does he want to see Michigan play Georgia in the first round of the playoffs? Absolutely not. And, and you're basing that on because of the fact that he did the right thing by letting Jim Harbaugh coach through two suspensions. There you go. Uh, well, he's a fair-minded they, guy. They, 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 you know, they did withdraw their lawsuit and they took their three-game suspension. And you know, so yeah, they withdrew their lawsuit because they knew they were going to get the brakes beat off of them if they gave Harbaugh a microphone in court. Yeah. Don't get me started, Snetzer. Hey. Do not give me start. Don't don't let me go down that rabbit hole. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go out of that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> let's look. Here's the deal. We're going to win Saturday, and then this is going to be for not. We're just going to figure out who we're playing in that first round. You know, it's, it's right. going to be a Texas team that slides in there if FSU loses. Um, you know, Texas has looked good, but they haven't looked great. You know, they got a they got that big win in Alabama early in the year, but that was against an Alabama team that I would tell you doesn't hold a candle to the Alabama team that we're playing on Saturday. I've said all along, if Milrow doesn't throw those two bad passes, those two interceptions, that Alabama's undefeated and sitting at number Milrow one. Milrow played a terrible game against Texas, okay? Correct. He has really improved. I think Saban has put him in position. That offensive coordinator, coordinator is now, has put them in, Tommy Reed. Has put them in position, but has put him in a better position. Um, and, you know, he had to develop. I mean, he had to develop into a starting quarterback. I mean, he just had to need, he needed time. And that game was what second week of the year, third week of the year, early early in September. Mm-hmm. So, 
you know, it's just it's just gonna take time. But uh, but, it, but they're getting there. And then I think it's good, man. I I've got a weird feeling about that game. You bringing in a special guest oh, there? Yeah, if you want to, you can. Here, my dog. He just snuck up in there. Oh. I mean, could could Gundy pull off a miracle and beat Texas? I mean, they're not going to have any pressure on them. Yeah, I mean, could he? Yes. But, I mean, golly, I just haven't seen anything out of Oklahoma State this year that makes me think that they're going to win that game. I mean, golly, UCF beat the brakes off of them at home. I know, I know, it's crazy. I just look at the teams that have no pressure, right? Yeah, they, I mean, they, they have nothing – look, they have nothing to lose. They're going to come out there, they can do trick plays, they can do whatever they want. They can, you know, kind of like that Boise State-Oklahoma game years ago, doing the Statue of Liberty at the end. I mean, look, if they lose, they're supposed to lose. So, why not? Exactly. Oklahoma State, no pressure. Yeah. Louisville, no pressure. Tell you who else doesn't have any pressure that nobody's given them a chance and you know what, and that is Iowa. Iowa pull off That Iowa team cannot score points, and I don't know why. Their defense is good, though. I mean, they got a great defense, but man, they cannot score points. Okay, so can they? Yes, they can. I'm not saying they can't, but I think they're the they're the least likely out of all of them to win. Okay, so where is that game? What time is it? And what's the weather? It is inside in Indianapolis. Oh, then they've got no chance. Yeah. So and is it Friday? Traditionally, it's been on Friday nights. Is it on Friday night again? The pack, the, the pack twelve is on Friday. Pac-12 is Friday night. Okay, so they're they're they yeah. probably. Uh, I got to look at the schedule again. I, I think the, I think they're Saturday night. Saturday night, but yeah, they're inside. Yeah. So, um, you know, so I think you, I mean the big, the big Ten at least is smart enough to do that. Hey. Um. Okay. What else? I don't know, man. Do we know? Okay, and we're here. why haven't we talked about Alabama's injuries? What about McClellan? I, you know, I didn't even look at their stuff. I'm not even worried about you – know, yes, I am worried about them, but I don't – you know. Kind of look just up – just look up real quick. Look up McClellan because he was in a boot and on crutches after that game, and he's their number one back. Not yeah. to say they don't have six more behind him, but that's kind of big. Yeah. Uh, I'm pulling it up now. Give me a second. All right, what did I say? Saban Brothers Report. Here we go. What did they say about McClellan here? McClellan, 15 carries. and Just calling it a foot injury. He's been dealing with all year long, and he tweaked it in the game, and he's day-to-day. Okay. So that's, that's the one big one they're talking about there. So, but, you know, Alabama, they've always got a whole stable. I mean, kind of like us, we got a bunch of running backs, a bunch of good running backs. Yep. Yeah, it's it looks like I mean, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a tough one for us. We gotta we're gonna have to keep Milrow in check. I think we gotta make him throw the ball to beat us. Um, I think we can disguise coverages against him. You know that kid. I mean, Kylie, he is fast when he gets outside the pocket. We have got to keep him in the pocket. I think we got something for him. Oh, I'm sure we got something for him. Here's it. Our defense is fast too. We got guys that can keep up with him. Well, not say keep up with him, but we can hopefully keep him in check. Um, you know, I'm looking, right. looking forward to it. It's going to be a tough one. I think we have um, someone who would like to join us for comment, and that is Cassidy Pearson. Yeah, come on in. Cassidy, I like your hey. sweatshirt. What's up? What's up? Getting nervous. <laughs> no. They're, I'm, they're, you can be nervous. I'm not nervous. 
I will talk you out of that unless you can give me a reason to be nervous. We've never beaten him in Atlanta. But nobody's ever beaten him in that stadium. Am I correct? Nobody's beaten Alabama in the bins. Not there, no. Yeah. Great. That means statistically, every time they play there, they're getting closer to a loss, and that's happening this Saturday. <laughs> well, I like the way you look at it that way, Dave. It's I numbers, so. man. It's just numbers. It's just, just, just numbers. You know, got to lose at some point, right? And that's a university. This school, this team that we're playing, they've never played there. That's right. It's their first time. Vegas likes us. Our average margin of victory with common opponents is two touchdowns better than theirs. I've done the math. Yeah. Hey, look, I don't disagree with you, man. I, I, I like Georgia. Yeah. I, I think we, we match up well against them. Uh, you know, I mean, but here, here's what it may come down to making the plays on Saturday, right? And, you know, I, I don't think we're going to be outcoached. I don't think they have more talent than us. It's just who is going to step up and make the plays. And we've been doing that. I mean, we've been doing that for the last, last two years. This team – you know, Kirby's got these guys ready going. Um, so, I mean, we I think we could beat them by one. I think we could beat them by, by 21. Um, you know, it's just going to be where the, where the ball falls. You know, you need a few breaks in there. Um, but Here's a bold prediction. We're not going to let them score first. Unlike every other game oh, this year. Oh, we're not going to let them score first. How about that? All right. <laughs> well, so far the key to success has been letting them score first. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe it's in our favor to let them score first, right, Cassidy? I it might be. I mean, in past years we've had the lead at halftime, and then they've come back. So, I mean, I don't know. Nothing. No scoring makes me uh, feel good. Were we down a half in Indianapolis? I can't remember the, the, in the national. Uh, I think we were down at half there. Were we not? I think we were. Yeah. Obviously in Atlanta, that we've been up at half big, and, and we've allowed. Yeah. You know, we what we really know is who's their backup quarterback right now. <laughs> That's not the starting quarterback; in their backup quarterback. Well, we saw we <laughs> saw no, both of them. <laughs> we saw both of them against South Florida, and they were underwhelming. Yeah. That's when everybody was predicting that Alabama was going to go four and eight. <laughs> yeah, but I remember at um. At the national championship in Indianapolis, people were freaking out because, you know, we were losing and then it was just so tight. And I was like, look, any formula is better than the one we've had where we've been up by two touchdowns. That never worked. Yeah, that has not worked for it in our favor. But, um, okay, Ryan's going to the game. I'm going to the game. Cassidy, <laughs> are you finally going to go to a game? I'm not. I, I think <laughs> I'm going to stay home. The two times I have been – to the SEC championship we have lost, one of which was 2021. And we just, I mean, like I was full on confident we were going to win that game. And then it was just like, we just came out so slow and I just, it was terrible. <laughs> and so I'm just like, I'm going to stay home and maybe we'll win that way. And then I'll never go again if we win. Well, I think we were the victim of rat poison in 2021. You know, it was everybody was treating that game like it was a foregone conclusion. We were going to kill Bama. Yeah. And we came in there. Some, I mean, you can make a case we were out of shape. 
And they came up with a game plan to keep our big boys out on the field, and they ran them from side to side and wore them slap out. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. It was awful. That's not going to happen again. No, it's not. Hopefully it's time. There's no hopefully. It's (laughs) It's it's already it's already it's already been our time. It's been our time for two years. It's the continuation of our time. This is just this is another. I agree. We're the better team on all cylinders. It's another. It's 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 an accomplishment that Kirby has not achieved, beating him in the bins. And there's very little out there right now that you can find that he hasn't done. Right, back to back natties, twenty nine in a row. I mean, the list goes on and on, but he has not beaten Saban in the bins. And I promise you, he's well aware of that fact. And we all know the importance that he puts on an SEC championship. He treats it like a national championship, as he should, because you could also make the case that this is the national championship as far as the best teams go. Because I think Vegas would favor Georgia and Alabama over Michigan, over FSU, over Washington, over – Oregon over Ohio State, Texas. I don't know because they've already beaten Alabama once. But I would, I would, I would bet probably them too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They would. I think that Alabama. It's a completely different Alabama team than they were, you know, week two or three whenever they played Texas. But we are too. I mean, we didn't. I think we've played one half this year where we were fully healthy. The first half of Vandy, where we had Bowers and McConkey. Mm-hmm. Had everybody. Uh, we're still not going to be fully healthy because no matter what, I think we can all agree that JDJ is not going to play. Yeah. But I mean, at this point in the season, nobody is. I was going to say, nobody's healthy at this point of the year. This, it's all about who's, who's stepping up, who's, you know, who's, who's able to come back through. You know, obviously you want the least amount of injuries you can have, but I mean, it's, it's you know, 12 game season playing a brutal, you know, contact sport. There's always going to be those injuries. And so, I think that's part of how how these championship teams are won by teams that are have players that step up and fill the void when the when the other guys go down. All right, one key to winning: you can't say control the line of scrimmage. One key: you can only say one thing. Snetzer, you go first. So, I mean, I'm going to tell you the team that runs the ball the best. The best. Whoever has the most rushing yards wins the game. Okay, Cassidy. I mean, that's pretty straightforward. Turnover margin. Okay. Alabama is one of the best in the nation in turnover margin. And you just, you can't turn the ball over. You mean you can't have a muff punt uh, with four minutes to go in the game? That, you can't do that? (laughs) All right, I'm going to state the obvious, and that is limit Milrow. You can't let him be. That's the whole thing with the rushing yards. If he's not, if he's not. I think if we make him throw the ball to beat us, they don't beat us. Absolutely. Yeah, we have to keep him in the pocket. Yep. And I, so you're saying don't flush him. I mean, I, I think we got to pressure him. Oh, no, no, no. It's a different, it's definitely, it's how you pressure him, right? I mean, you, you've got to pressure him, but you got to keep your edge and you got to keep your guys pushing up the middle. You can't open up those lanes. So the guy's got to be very disciplined in their pass rush. Like you can't go way outside or way in. I mean, you've got to be able to maintain your lanes and your pass rush. Still pressure him, but now not allow him to get outside of the pocket. I'm not so, saying it's easy to do, but I'm saying that's what you have to do. That's how you have to do it. So, so keeping him in the pocket. Okay, so he's your end's got your end's got a tough job. They got to they can't get too far upfield. They got to maintain that 
that outside presence there and then try to, and then just everything collapsed down on it. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if you got a four man rush and they're doing their job, you're really relying on your back end to be able to cover those guys man to man. Yep. Your Kamari Lassiter's of the world, your Tykees, mm-hmm. your Dalen Everett's. Are you still going to have somebody there as a spy? In other words, you got four rushing, one spy, and you got six dropped into coverage. What are you doing? Yeah, I, mean, I think you can have that spy who can do kind of a delayed blitz. I mean, you, you got all the different kinds of ways. So you have you know a linebacker sitting there in the middle who kind of sits there, watches to make sure you know what's happening, and then kind of comes on a delay. Let the blockers kind of declare where they're going, and then come on it, put in some pressure up the middle, do that way. Um, I think you. I think we do a lot of disguises. You know. The skies and coverage, the skies and blitz, I mean, which we've done all year. But I think you kind of do that. We want to try to confuse him. I mean, he's still a, I mean, yeah, he's still a first year starter. So right. Whatever we can to, to try to confuse him, you know, changing the coverages, changing our blitz pattern, changing, you know, we do a lot of stemming with our defensive linemen, getting guys jumping off sides, but that changes how he's looking at things. I mean, I'm trying to remember this year from last year, I feel like we've done it so much more this year where, where you see our defensive linemen line up. And kind of the last second, they all slide over one place. Mm-hmm. And they get a lot of guys jumping off or jumping, having false starts doing that. But, you know, traditionally, I don't think we – I don't. I, mean, I know we did a little bit of it last year, but we hadn't done a lot up until really this year. I feel like we've done a lot more. See, I feel like we've done it a lot less, and we've been doing it a, a ton in 21 and 22, but less this year. I feel like – I don't know. Just maybe watch it. I feel like we've done more this year. Um, I, I feel like we kind of save it because people just got so used to it that we save it till we need it. And then we pull that out, you know, on fourth and one or whatever. Yeah. Okay. If you're going to, if you're going to spy, who are you going to use as a spy? Uh, tough one. I mean, you can put it, you know, it's going to probably be your, your inside linebacker. Usually we're going to have somebody on the inside because you want, you're not going to try to bring an outside guy unless over, over in the middle to watch him. Um, so it's going to fall on our, our whoever's playing our inside linebacker position, you know, with JDJ, probably not. Um, so, um, what's that freshman that's playing there? Uh, just might know his name. CJ Allen. CJ Allen, yes. It's going to fall on him. CJ Allen or one of the one of the Wilsons. Yep. Um, what are their oh, – gosh, I'm drawing a blank on their first names. Raylan? Is one of yeah. them Raylan Wilson? So it's, whoever it is, it's not an enviable job. It's going to be tough. Or, or like a Jalen Walker. Yeah. I mean, you may, may switch somebody up, bring somebody in there, kind of a, a faster guy to try to maintain that spot. But he's a big I – mean, not only is he fast, he's pretty big too. Yeah. He's not easy to bring down. I saw us using um, Marvin Jones Jr. a little bit to spy on Milton in the Tennessee game, which yeah. he can't be fast enough to run down Melrose. Well, I mean, I don't think it's somebody's so fast enough to you're not you're not gonna have to run him down from behind, right? I mean, he's gonna be there in the middle and he's maintaining an angle, so he's gonna have an angle to the outside. So when he starts cutting out, he's gonna have that inside angle. Mm-hmm. He's really just got to continue to force him to the sideline, not let him get outside. Yeah. So I mean, does he have to be as fast? No, he does not have to be as fast. He's just he's got to be somebody that can that's used to playing that kind of linebacker position and can play those angles to keep him there. Good point. And to feel like if he starts stepping up to run, to feel that gap. Where fill the gap wherever he's trying to step up to. Who's going to cover Burton? It's a storyline. Who's covering him? Uh, you know, whoever did there. You know, I don't know who their best receiver is. Is it Isaiah Bond? Is it uh, is it Burton? I mean, Burton uh, statistically Burton is, it Burton? is leading. I think yeah. I think yeah. Burton's leading. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
then I would think we try and lock him down with Lassiter. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. They're probably going to just mix it up and you get who you get. Yeah. They're going to move him around and try to get him, get him in different positions. So right. they're going to try to match right. him up, try to match him up on some other linebacker. I mean, it's all about matchups. Yeah. All right. We've, we've been hogging the floor. Cassidy, I'm giving you the floor. I know you're just sitting there with – you're just chomping at the bit to give me some sort of statistic to try <laughs> and inject nerves, no. fear, anxiety. No, I mean, I, I don't I don't think it's about statistics, like y'all said. I mean, it's who shows up, who's going to play better. And I, I think we're finally going to do that. I think uh, our guys that were there in 2021, they don't want to have to do that again. And um, – and that, that's just what we're going to have to do. I will say, uh, right back to the red zone defense that I mentioned against Missouri, we are still one of the worst teams in the nation in red zone defense. And Alabama is 10th in red zone offense. Uh, that's one thing I think that is will be a key to the game is we do have to limit them to field goals. So as, as part of the success, part of the calculus and the algorithm, like uh, – factor in whether you're allowing field goals or touchdowns in the red zone? I don't know. So it, it could be that, you know, if they're we've – I had, would assume so. Right, like 30 trips to the red zone and they've scored whatever, 27 times. That looks bad, but if 23 of them were field goals, that's a positive. That's right. Because once you're in the red zone, at that point, you're just trying to hold them to a field goal. Right. Do you know what our red zone offense looks like from that stat? You're what do you frozen. Mean? I mean, like, if, if our defense is uh, – well, if, if Alabama's 10th in red zone offense, where do we rank in red zone offense? Oh, we're like 120th. Okay, and so does that factor in the fact that you're scoring from beyond the red zone, so you're not there as much? Or is that saying, like, this past game, no, you know, we had that terrible drive where we scored, and then, you know, there was penalties, and then we eventually turned it over. So that that's obviously a bad red zone foray for us. I would assume so. I mean, if you're in the red zone and then you yeah. score, then right. Yes. What I'm trying, I guess, what I'm trying to get at is <laughs> maybe we haven't been in the red zone as much because we're scoring scoring from beyond the red zone. That's what I'm saying. That, right. That's not but what I I'm saying. That's I, would, I guess what I'm asking. I think it's once you get in the red zone, though. It's not just like okay. overall play of the game. It's like once you're in there, how do you? Perform. Yeah, what's your percentage of scoring once you get inside the 20? Okay. Okay. Um, I like the fact that we're in our away uniforms like we were in the Natty when we played them last. The last time we were in the Benz, were we home or away uniforms? I think we were well, home. So last year we would have been home. So the year before that would have been away. The rotates each year. Right. Right. Okay. So no advantage there. Um, I mean, what else? I can just feel the nerves coming through the screen from Cassidy. 
Uh, it's just, I mean, we've just been through it. It's just like every single time. Well, I can't believe I'm about to say what I'm about to say. We have been chasing this superstar down all year, um, not having any luck, and then randomly through a friend of a friend got a hold of his agent. And so now, without further ado, coaching legend, Lou Holtz. Coach! Coach. I I, I, I'm so proud to be here on the Bad Dog Show this evening, and I'd like to start out by reminding everyone the good Lord gave you. Eyes in the front of your head, not eyes in the back. So you can see where you're going and not where you've been. And I'm so pleased to spend the next 15 minutes of my future on this show. <laughs> That's great advice. That is just a, a Lou Holtz classic. So tell where where have you been? Why you've been hiding from us? What's going on? Well, I've been down in Orlando playing golf with some of my friends, and uh, been sitting back watching Rockford Files in the evenings, and uh, you know, just kind of taking a few walks, watching the league <laughs> change, even though they don't really change down in Orlando. Just about it went on ESPN, uh, ESPN a couple of weeks ago, and. <laughs> You know, things like that, you know, kind of stuff. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Um, here, you're my hero for for so many reasons. Um, the latest reason was how you just emerged from obscurity to call out Ryan Day and his team as not being man enough. And, and we found you at the perfect time after losing for the third time in a row to Michigan, and I was wondering if you had any thoughts on that. Well, yeah, I'd like to talk to Coach Day for just a moment. Uh, you know, he he can't win the big game. And down at Michigan, Michigan Wolverines have beaten Ohio. I, Lou, 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 I lost you. I lost you. Technical difficulty. It's okay. But now that he's lost, for the third time in a row, I'd like to say this to him. Sure, sure, Ryan, you can beat Minnesota Golden Gophers. You don't have any problem with Purdue. <laughs> you, you, you handle the Hoosiers in Indiana. Handle them. You don't have Maryland, Michigan State, Spartans. You beat them every time. But when you come time, when it comes when the rubber beats the road, <laughs> when the rubber beats the road, you have comparable talent on the football field standing across from you, staring at the eyeballs. You lose the game. You lost to Dick Saban in Alabama. You took on Davo Sweeney. Lost to him. You had Kirby Smart painted in the corner. And what did you do? The fourth quarter, you wet your pants again, and you lost the football game. Okay? Now you've lost to Michigan. You lost to Harbaugh two times in a row. Now you've lost to Sherrod Crybaby Moore. I didn't think anybody could cry more than you and your athletic director after Bullard did up the Maserati bar. But it, it appears that you can cry more than them because you are a crybaby. Sherrod is an is a even bigger crybaby. <laughs> now, when I was coaching Notre Dame, I'm the best coach that's ever been at Notre Dame, baby. Uh, I'm better than Aaron Parsegian. I'm better than Dan Devine. I'm better than, than uh, surely better than the Rotund Charlie Weiss. 
And I had to deal with Bobby Bowden. I had to deal with Jimmy Johnson down at Miami. <laughs> I had to play USC coaches every year. You know what? Oh, Coach Lou came out victorious most of the time. I stared their bed down. And I won plenty of games. Something you can't do. Would you care to comment on Brian Kelly uh, beating your record as the winningest coach in Notre Dame history? Well, I don't care for Brian because I, I wrote him a letter <laughs> like I always do, write all the coaches a letter, sometimes three, four, ten times a season. I wrote Brian a letter. Brian never responded. <laughs> I wrote Tyrone Willingham letters. He wrote back. I wrote other coach, Charlie White, wrote him letters. He always wrote back. <laughs> I wrote... I write Brian Kelly three times. <laughs> he never wrote me back once. Why do you think that is? I'm not sure. Maybe he's just he's just arrogant. I know he came into this season down there in Baton Rouge thinking he was going to do something this year, but he he certainly fell on his face. He had a heck of an offense, but his defense was garbage. Well, you hit the nail on the head with the arrogance of Brian Kelly, thinking he could just go down there and, you know, replicate what he did at Notre Dame with their questionable ACC schedule. But um, who, who do you like Who do you like this year to win it all? Well, you've already, you always got to start off with Georgia. They had lost a game in several, several years. I don't know what the record is astronomical. Uh, you you – you know, I like, uh, I like, you know, if Alabama were to get in, I sure hope they won't because I'm on the Mad Dog Show and I'm like, like I'm pulling for Georgia, even though I don't really care. But uh, I think I like Georgia and I, and I don't believe much in Oregon. Coach, uh, you know, you've beyond football, you've, you've gone on the speaker circuit and and really just you know made a name for yourself as a as an inspirational speaker as a motivational speaker uh you, you gave us your your quote about you know eyes in the back of your head do, do you have any other words of wisdom that you could share with us today well in order to win a championship you got to always believe in yourself first when nobody else believes in you when the coaches don't believe in you if your teammates don't believe in you, your girlfriend doesn't believe in you, your mother doesn't believe in you, for whatever reason, <laughs> you've got to believe in yourself first. And I will tell a story right quick, if I may, about a, Please. a man who didn't believe in himself and it actually caused him a little trouble. Uh, my friend Herb White and I were in the Navy. We were in the training school. Herb and I were the worst two swimmers in the whole class. <laughs> the final test was to swim three miles across the lake. The rest of the class is way out in front of me and me and Herbie. We got, <clears throat> we got about halfway across and Herbie looks at me and says, I can't make it, Lou. I got to turn around and go back. So we actually, excuse me, I'm a little old. We, we got two miles in. And Herbie didn't think he could make it to the bank, so he said, let me turn around and go back. So, in other words, Herbie swam four miles because he didn't think he could swim three. 
I mean, if that doesn't inspire you, I don't know what what else what else would. So he believed he could get back. Is that the moral of the story? Yeah, he was two miles across the three mile lake. Turned around, and went back to the bank he started on. So he swam four miles because he didn't think he could swim three. But I don't. Um, well, that's inspiring, uh, and um, I'm I'm at a loss for words as to uh, I'm starstruck. Quite frankly, I'm starstruck that we actually got you on the show. I I'm I'm at a, at a loss for what to ask you next. Um, well, this is what I'd say to the Georgia football team before they took the field at Mercedes Benz on Saturday night. I say, hey. If you want to be happy for an hour, eat a steak. If you want to be happy for a day, go play golf. If you want to be happy for a week, take a cruise. If you want to be happy for a month, buy yourself a car. If you want to be happy for a year, buy yourself a house. But if you want to be happy for the rest of your life, win a championship. That's awesome. That is awesome. That's got to be a Lou Holtz original. Yes, I made that up when I sit around. <laughs> Coach, um, if you don't have anything immediately that you'd like to share, can I introduce you to my friend Dogger? Sure. The Dogger is an off. Uh, Coach Holtz, you're obviously one of my big fans. You have, uh, I have your. Yeah, I've heard off. stories about you out there on library lawn in front of Touchdown Jesus, throwing, <laughs> throwing footballs back and forth with Tony Rice back That's in, the a, in the early nineties. You have a great memory. I thought you had lost that memory. I, I have an autographed signed jersey uh, from that day. So no, it's incredible to see you again. You're acting really well. Well, I have my problems physically, but but mentally, I'm still all there. Do the do the crossword puzzle every morning. I want to go back to the to the issues that you had with Ryan Day. Well, I tell you about Ryan Day. I'd rather have Susan Day, actress who started in the Carson family back in 1970, <laughs> used to ride around on a hippie bus with Ruby King Cage and Daddy Bonaduce. I bet she's tougher than Ryan Day. And I'd rather have actress Susan Day running my squad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love you, Coach Holtz. That's awesome. Yeah, I think if you were back coaching again, I think you could take him. Yeah. Coach, I want to introduce you. Right there, Jogger. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> I, I I was going to introduce you to another friend, um, Bert Hodges, our stat freak, but we we lost him. So, um, uh, once again, I, I'm, I'm just at a loss for words. The, the Partridge family reference, just, that was gold. That was gold, well, I like coach. Sit, I like to sit around and watch uh, Get TV. It's, it's got the old classics on it. It'll have, uh, like I mentioned, Rockford Files earlier. And it has, uh, it has uh, the Partridge family and things like that. Let's make a deal. I, I love watching those old programs. Let's what'd make a deal. What did you do when you were in South Carolina? Did you do any fishing or anything? What was your favorite thing? I'll tell doing? you what I did the first day I got to South Carolina. <laughs> I gathered the entire team up around me, and I said this to those boys, many of them sweet boys, but I told them this. I said, you're playing football here. 
at the University of South Carolina because you're either a loser or you like being surrounded by losers. <laughs> and I said, we're going to have to practice hard this spring and summer to change all that. I'm just a man to do it. Let's go. <laughs> and you did Coach, a great want, job, Coach. Coach, I want to introduce you to uh, our stat freak, uh, Mr. Burt Hodges. Oh, but what an honor. Guys from MIT. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I wear that green eye shade most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a nice, nice touch. Oh my gosh, Bert! Do you have any questions for Coach Holtz? <laughs> I, I cut. I was kind of coming in and out. I was having some technical difficulties back in the green room, and I heard a little bit about this swim across the lake. But I just wanted to make sure I got it right. So he swam two miles, and then he decided that he couldn't make it the third mile, and so he turned around and went back. Is that what happened? Yeah, Herbie and I were two miles across. Everybody else was already on the far bank. I told you we're the worst swimmers in the class, and everybody else was already there, but we were still going. And we were two miles across the three-mile lake. Herbie looked at me and said, I can't make it, Lou. I got to turn around and go back. So he went back, and – he didn't believe in himself, and he swam four miles because he didn't stay <laughs> swim free. <laughs> so it didn't count, did it? He didn't. He didn't pass the test, right? They kicked him out. <laughs> <laughs> Where is he today? I think he's passed. <laughs> Hell, he's eighty-six years old. I mean, I'm poor guy. Yeah, I think he's gone. Coach, uh, I think we're about to to pick some games, so we're now going to also bring in another guru, and that is Cassidy Pearson. Hey, all. Hey, Cassidy. Hey, nice to meet you. Good to see you. Nice looking lady <laughs> with these other gentlemen here. First time you've met Coach Holtz. Stand up right quick. <laughs> <laughs> Very Very gentlemanly of you, Coach. <laughs> Um, Dogger, take it away. Yeah, take yeah. it away. Hey, Cassidy, good to see you. Uh, hey. Congrats. So, Cassidy, Cassidy beat up on all of us last week, her first week of picking. So, um, to give last week's updates, I went two and four and one. That Mississippi State pushing, uh, they ended up, the line went to ten and a half, but it pushed from what I sent out. And then, uh, David, no, excuse me, uh, yeah, David went two and four and one, and Buffalo went zero oh and six and one, oh. and Bobber or Bert went one and five and one, and then Cassie went four and two and one. Shows what three we and three, and three and three and one, three and three and one for Cassie. Cassidy, you won, wow. but the bar was low. Clearly, the bar was low to beat us yeah. last week. <laughs> we got clobbered. Uh, Dogger, I, I I think I was 06 and one also because I I picked in tandem with Buffalo in every single game. So um, I never that's I, that's what I had emailed you or texted you separately. Yeah. About. You did take yeah. um uh, da, 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 one of these that was different that I had Oregon State. Yeah, that was that's it. What I had there. I had I had you with Oregon. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I never so, changed that afterwards. Guys, mm -hmm. guys, guys, I've got breaking news. Lad is full ready to go. Let's go. Let's go. See, Cassidy, good news. Good news. 
Keep it that coming. Was a, I didn't pay. I didn't. I didn't log on uh, early until Buffalo got on. But um, is that did we hold people back? I mean, that's what it seemed like with Bowers and Ratledge. Um, I think probably Ladd and Rara probably really did need truly to take a break with their injuries. But I think I think Bowers and and uh, Ratledge was really more precautionary. And since we thought we could beat the Bugs without them, we did. Good. Okay. Very good. Now I want to hear that JDJ is good to go. JDJ, we got into that with Snetzer, and he was just saying with a break like that, he doesn't see any way he could do it. He's only three weeks into a six-week recovery, and with that type of injury, he said, unless there's some you know, brace or cast out there he's not aware of, that he, he doesn't see it happening. Yeah. But were you seeing some of the same stuff I was, like rumors that he might be able to go? No, I hadn't read anything that said he could go. I was just, I was just being hopeful. Well, we're, I am seeing rumors that Humphrey can go, that we're mm. looking that he may be able to go. That would be helpful because last time he was on the field, he was a beast. He was. <clears throat> he totally was. Yeah. Anyway, I'll relay these tidbits as I get them. No, yeah, yeah. thank you, because I, I, I did not know. Uh, that was my assumption during the Tech game that we were holding some folks back, which Alabama obviously couldn't do with the game they had against Auburn. So uh, hopefully that will help having some fresh people. But uh, back to gambling. So on the season, we have 16, 29, and 3 for me, 19, 26, and 3 for Mad Dog. 17, 28, and 3 for Bobber. And then uh, 16, 15, and 2 for uh, Bert. And Cassidy uh, on their first week is 3, 3, and 1. I think I went 4 and 2. Oh, <laughs> 4 and 2, daughters can question your math. Well, yeah. no, I don't know how I, because that's what I told her dad today. Um, where I don't know where yeah. I messed that up. So the four should have been Oregon, NC State, right. Michigan, and then the under. You're, and then, uh, yeah, you're right. Where I messed up was I flip-flopped you and Bert, just the order. So that's what I did. I had him with Oregon and you with Oregon State. That's what I – so, yes, four and two is correct because that is what I told your dad. Cassidy, you got to watch him. you got to keep up the numbers yourself. <laughs> Watch him. Don't be afraid to Trying call him. Trying to cheat out. here, dogger. Oh, no, no. <laughs> uh, I hear you. I hear you. I uh, promise that's not the case. So let's see if I can. No, I'm it goes too, too quick. So this week, I'm going to try to include all the uh, all the national championship, or not national championship, the um, conference championship games. The first one on Friday at 8 p.m., Oregon versus Washington. Oregon is minus nine and a half. And I think – it is Bert's pick first. I am going to go with Oregon on that one. Okay. And then Caspi, you would be next. Oregon. All right. And then it's me. Wow. Oregon has been playing really well. Bonix has been playing great. But nine and a half seems like a high number to me. I'm going to go Washington. So, and then Mad Dog? Uh, Oregon. Thought about this game, and you're talking about an undefeated team getting nine and a half points. I think it would take the they ever take the husky. <laughs> <laughs> I need to change. I need to change to uh, Coach Holtz for this week. 
Uh, and then, uh, so 12 p.m. on Saturday, Texas versus Oklahoma State, Texas minus 14 and a half. And Bert. Uh, man, Oklahoma State's getting a lot of points there. I'm going to take Oklahoma State. Cassidy. I'm going to go Texas. Okay. I'm just, I've bet against Texas for maybe five weeks in a row, and they continue to go cover. So I'm going to go Texas. Do not ever forget that Mike Gundy is a grown-ass man, and he <laughs> will not only win upset, he will win and cover. Woo, no way. <laughs> yes way. I bet that money line's about 1000 so put put like $10 on to win 100 You tell me who to call, and I'll do it. Well, I don't know anybody to call, but you can find somebody. I, I know you can find somebody. I got people. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, then uh, we have Bobber or Coach Holtz. Coach Holtz. Well, let's, say, let's say uh, I'm going to take. I've once went down and met with the Longhorns with Charlie Strong was their coach, and I explained to them they came to Texas to win all the games, not just some of them. I know they stumbled against <laughs> Oklahoma, but I'm, I'm going to take Texas this week. <laughs> <laughs> I threw this one in there just because I have friends at Tulane and SMU to me has been playing really well. So uh, Tulane minus four against SMU at 4 p.m. on Saturday. And Bert. Where are they playing that conference championship? Do you know? I honestly didn't have time to look at it. I thought everything was at a neutral field. Cassidy yeah. probably knows. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what, what conference is that? We'll find out. It's American, um, isn't it? American. It is American, yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm going to take Tulane in that one. I don't know why. They're from New Orleans. Uh, yeah. I don't know where the game is. It's in New Orleans. Okay. All right. Tulane. Cassidy. Tulane. Okay. And because I absolutely love New Orleans, I will go Tulane as well. Green Wave, baby. Tulane. Can you repeat the team that Tulane is playing this week? <laughs> <laughs> Tulane's playing SMU, who's been playing. playing okay, that does it. I'm going to take the bus team. I once had a, I once recruited a defensive back from New Orleans, and I called him practice at Voodoo. In the locker room, and when I found out he wasn't Catholic, I kicked him off the football team. So I'm going to take SMU. SMU's been playing fantastic. They, they're going over on all their games, too. They have a big offense back in their old – just like their old days. Hmm. Uh, all right, so then we have the big one that we all care about. I'm not going to bet on the line on this side, but Georgia at 4 p.m. against Alabama. Just by the way, the line is six, but we are taking – trying to bet on the 54-and-a-half total. Man, I seem to miss this every week. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back over on this one. Yeah, I definitely think over. Wow, I'm going over as well. I had that one kind of locked in, All right? I'm going under. Uh, 
I'm going to say, <laughs> I think there might be a lot of points scored here. I think it might end up be, things might go crazy in the second half. I'm going to take the over. I just, I, I, I'm thinking that uh, that our offense, the Georgia offense, has kind of held back a little bit with, with McConkie and Bowers coming back. I mean, just a thought. Hopefully, knock on wood, that that, uh, that we can just roll on them. Uh, all right, next one, 8 p.m., Florida State versus Louisville. And Florida State is minus two and a half. Um, Florida State. Miss Cassidy. I'm going to go with Louisville. Another one that I have bet against all all year, I think. Florida State, or they, I mean, they have to falter at some point. So I'm going Louisville as well. Louisville for the win and cover. I know the backup quarterback, Rodebaker's father, was a, was a high school coach that about Austin kind of got ran out of town for no reason. Uh, it's a good family, apparently. And I would like to see them do. Well, but I'm going to take Louisville with the game. Wow, <laughs> Bert has a big Bert has a big chance on to pick up some ground on that one. Or yeah, that's kind of wishful thinking on my part too. I would, I'd love to see all the all the undefeated teams win, and then we get in as a one, and Florida State gets in as a four. There you, you know? go. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And then, yeah, I'd love to have that conversation here in just a second after I get done with this last one, which is I can't believe Michigan is playing Iowa. But uh, so I'm putting a total out on this one, not not the game. Uh, Michigan is minus 22, but we're not we're not taking that. The total is 35, which I don't. Uh, some of you may not know that the lowest total was ever put out against Iowa, Nebraska, and it was 26. And the under hit. And, and the under out. and the under hit, yeah, that's insane. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah. So 35, I, 35 is a total. All right, I'm going over on that one. Okay, I'm gonna go under. Yeah, good for you, Gaspy. Uh, I will go. Let's see, Michigan, Iowa, Harbaugh's back. I'm gonna go under. I'm going to go under. Coach Holtz, you've been there before. I heard there was a sports book earlier this week that had the first quarter over under in that football game. And <laughs> that being said, I'm going to go against the trend. I'm going to take the over in this one. All right. <laughs> So what are the uh, – did you touch on it earlier, Mad Dog, the scenarios if uh, if Georgia loses and then these other – like if Oregon loses, what's what are, what's the scenarios if you have all all losers of the top four? Well, Cassidy, good news. Uh, that was recorded, so we captured that. And we and Cassidy <laughs> and Snetzer went round and round on uh, – every scenario but hey let's talk it up some more i can i can go well eat. there's more too we didn't talk about but uh, mad dog and i disagree a, a little bit on on who's in if georgia loses all right so what was the who believes in what 
Uh, well, I'm saying that Georgia would still be in, and I'm saying that uh, Alabama would be in over Texas, even if Texas wins, by virtue of Alabama's beating the number one team and everybody saying that that head-to-head is, is not as meaningful because it was at a different time way earlier in the season when Alabama was a different team. Coach Oh, Do you ahead, have Georgia over uh, Alabama, Mad Dog? As far as the rating, as far as their as far as their rank. Oh, you're Either saying way. say that again. Either way, ranking who's in. As far as who would get in the top four, I think is what she's saying. Oh, okay. In that scenario, it would be um, I would say Michigan, Alabama, Georgia, and Oregon. And they say FSU, uh, you're not the same team because you don't have the same quarterback. You're in the weak ACC. Clemson's not even good this year. Ohio State, you had your chance. You're not backing in again. Uh, Texas, too bad, so sad. Who did I leave out? No, you did it right. Okay. I heard some hypothetical lines, um, you know, in these supposed matchups. In Georgia versus Florida State, we'd be favored by 15. Georgia versus Washington, we'd be favored by nine. And Georgia versus Texas, I think we'd be favored by seven or eight. It's hmm. interesting. Do you have one Georgia now, Michigan? Um, that would be about a pick them because, you know, it goes – it's kind of close to that Bill Connolly SP plus, and he's got Georgia and Michigan right together, and we're a few points ahead of everybody else. In that scenario I described, that would then mean that Georgia would play Michigan in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, one versus four. Yep. Yeah. Coach. Wow, that, that's way off of uh, – I'll let Coach come in real They've quick. always called that the granddaddy of them all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they have called it that. <laughs> Did you yeah. ever get to play there, Coach? I can't remember. <laughs> I know one thing. I coached William and Mary when I first started out. And my biggest problem was I had too many Marys on the team and not enough Williams. <laughs> oh, man. Speaking of coaches playing in college, I want to address something that's been annoying me pretty much the whole year, but especially this week. And this this talk about Georgia and the modern day three-peat. And so I wanted to go back and look at, since they're, they keep referencing Minnesota from 1934 to 1936, like what actually happened in those years and why – we shouldn't even be compared to that. We should be the undisputed three-peat, the, the first undisputed three-peat, because Minnesota in 34, um, you know, as much as we hate all these national titles that Bama likes to claim, one of the titles that they claim is actually 1934, the first year of Minnesota's supposed three-peat. Now, remember they had like, well, they had about 13 different polls then, but Minnesota was number one in like eight polls and Bama was number one in five polls. So there was no undisputed national champion then. 
They only played eight games, and the first game that they played was against North Dakota Agri- uh, in Agricultural College. The One of the players for Alabama that year was a uh, tight end from Morrow Bottom, Arkansas, named Bear Bryant. Wow. Yeah. Um, they also had a running back named Young Boozer. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I, I don't I want them to address us as the first undisputed three-peat. And, I mean, if we're able to run these next three games, I don't want to hear this talk about Minnesota because it was – I mean, it, there's no comparison when you're playing seven or eight games a year. You win in some poll. You win you, – you're not number one in another. Um, you know, we're the first – we would be the first undisputed three-peat. Bert, do you know their record, their composite aggregate record over the course of that those three years? Did they win all 24 games? Yeah, they were 8-0 each year, I think. Um, maybe 36, they may have lost the game, but um, I think that they were, they were undefeated each year. But they were 8-0 that year, 1934, but Bama was 10-0 that year. Um, Bama outscored their opponents 316 to 45. Minnesota outscored their opponents 270 to 38. So Bama had a legitimate claim in 1934. Yeah, I had read that before too. I'm really glad you brought that up because it's like comparing it's not apples and oranges. It's a raisin and a watermelon, what we did compared to what they did when they were playing. Sounds like youth groups and orphanages back in 1934. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I hate giving credit to Alabama for anything, but you know what? I want to give them credit for this national championship because it throws out this whole three-peat thing that they keep talking about with Minnesota. I think it's their literal only reference point that they can even grasp in the history of football for what we're on the cusp of. It's so monumental. I mean, the if we can run these next three games, we're going to do something – more monumental than has been done in college football or pro football in the history of either undisputed national champion three years in a row. Let's make sure that's a big if. Let's knock on wood on that. I'm a big believer in the jinx. Coach Coach Holtz, tell us how you would view such an achievement. Well, that'd be, that'd be quite an achievement. I mean, I tried, I got screwed in uh, uh, You know, I think uh, I got uh, right up into some stiff competition. You, you got you got all these teams trying to gun for you. Notre Dame, they always want to take us down, and, 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 and we had a good football team. But, you know, Queen Florida State, Miami, Southern Cal, all of them, I don't know, Southern Cal's kind of – they had Coach Larry Smith out there. Of course, they were they were dangerous, but they weren't. But it was always seemed like it was Jimmy or Bobby, and, and uh, <laughs> tried to sneak in there. But yeah, I never came close to, and I tried. But but if Kirby Smart could pull this off, I'd I'd probably write him a letter. <laughs> Please. He'd probably write back too, wouldn't he? I'm sure Kirby Smart would write Coach Lee back. Unlike Brian Kelly down there, the cages for I wish you would write Ryan Day a letter and give him, you know, a real piece of your mind. 
<laughs> on paper. All right, uh, Bert, let's talk about uh, some of your stats because I'm sure you've got some uh, that will uh, raise some eyebrows. All right, yep. I mean, we're we're going into the conference championships now, so regular season's done. And, um, you know, as we said at the start of the year, the teams that finish above 2.0 in net yards per play for the year are the ones that are going to be in the playoffs. And right now we have four teams – that are above 2.0 in net yards per play. That is Georgia at 2.42, Oregon at 3.02, Ohio State at 2.47, and surprisingly, LSU at 2.45. And how in the world LSU lost three games by and, ha- and has a net yards per play difference of 2.45 is – Truly remarkable. Um, I went back and looked at the stats on two of those games. Um, they out-yarded out per play Ole Miss and Alabama by almost a yard and, and lost both of those games. Um, it was – I think it was turnovers in, in both of those games that was the difference. But they actually finished ahead of us in the SEC in net yards per play. So this was the first year – in the last three years that we did not finish the regular season with the highest net yards per play in the SEC. And um, yeah, they've got three losses and no chance of going to the playoffs. The other team above two, Ohio State, I don't know if you guys talked about this, but um, I don't see a path for them in unless a lot of crazy things happen. Um, So they're out. So we're looking at two teams that will probably make the playoffs that are under that that benchmark of 2.0. And so Michigan's at 1.95, Washington's at 1.85, and Florida State is at 1.81. Bama's at 1.58, and Texas is at 1.51. So we got a lot of teams that have a potential to get in that are are under that benchmark when usually it's 2.0 and above that, that gets you in. Okay, so back to Ohio State. Correct me if I'm wrong. Okay, Georgia wins, Michigan wins, Florida State loses, mm-hmm. uh, Oregon wins, Texas loses, Alabama's already lost to us. In that scenario, wouldn't that get Ohio State in? That's it, yeah. So no. they need they need Florida State to lose. They need Texas to lose. That's their – and they need us to beat Bama. Right. I think that's their only path in. Oh, Coach, how would you feel if Ohio State had luck fall their way and they were able to back into the playoffs yet again? Well, I tell you, Bad Dog, I'd feel pretty good for whoever was playing them because I know <laughs> Coach Day would would went to bed again and they they may be going back to Columbus. It's <laughs> exactly how I thought you might feel on the subject. Stranger things physical. have happened. They're not physical enough with teams with comparable talent. I said earlier, they just, they faced on the little boys and they went the time for the big boys. They can't come through. I mean, that that's really, that scenario is not that far-fetched. I mean, the most far-fetched part of that is Oklahoma State beating Texas. That's it. Yeah. I mean, that's a 14 point spread. So you're asking something there, but um, yeah, Florida State losing Louisville, that could very easily happen. And um we just need to beat Alabama. 
Sugar Bowl rematch with the Buckeyes, if that happens. Mm. Do y'all think that Texas will jump Ohio State if they win the Big 12? Yes. I think so, because, I mean, I think they put some value on conference champions, and in that scenario with um, with one loss conference champ versus one loss non-conference champ, yeah, I think – I think Texas there. I agree. Do you think one loss Texas champ could jump undefeated FSU? No. I don't see that. I don't see that. I could see it happening. If they're looking for the best, I could see them just saying, you know what? It's not the same FSU team. Yeah. Not the same. Yeah, maybe if you get a really bad game out of FSU in the ACC championship and they squeak by somehow then and Texas just blows out Oklahoma State, then they could have an argument there. But it's going to be hard to keep a, a undefeated team out, undefeated conference champion team out there. What do you all right. think about a – what do you all think about a one-loss Washington still having a shot in there. I don't see no it happening. You know, one of the things that the committee looks at are these stats, this net yards per play. And um, Washington is is just terrible there. Like their, their net yards per play versus power five is the lowest among everybody we just talked about except Florida State. Florida State and Washington are so far below everybody else there. That um, with a loss, I think that I think they're done. Yeah, for sure. All right, Bert. When I'm looking at your spreadsheet, when you have uh, the column net yards PPP five, is mm-hmm. that net yards per play against that against Power Five? That's it. Yep. And so you've got three teams over two in that scenario. So what we did there is we just filtered out the cupcakes. And so we're right. at 2.05, Oregon's at 2.44, and um, Ohio State's at 2.26. If you look at Bama, they're all the way down at one net yard per play against Power 5. So what that tells you is they've been feasting on cupcakes as far as padding their stats. But when it comes to SEC Power 5 competition, they're they're only at one, which is – really weak. I mean, there's a lot of stats that tell me that um, we should we should beat these guys Saturday. I mean, the stat that, that worries me is how successful Saban is in the SEC championship, how successful he is against us, all these historical things. But stat-wise, this year, um, we, out, we outstat them on pretty much everything. And so when you get to uh, third – DO, third DD, N three D. Tell us what those are. Yeah, so that's third down uh, conversions on offense, and then stopping third downs on defense. We are head and shoulders above everybody else on on that money down. Um, we convert at a rate of fifty seven percent, and we stop teams. Teams convert on us at a rate of twenty seven percent. So that net difference is thirty percent, which is the highest by far in college football. The only other team above 20 is Oregon, right at 20. 
Um, I mean, if you look at last week against Tech, we were four for eight on third down. Tech was two for 11. I mean, I think Kirby really puts an emphasis on converting third downs on offense and stopping third downs on defense. And we've done it really well all year. This, uh, this chart is fascinating. You can just get lost in these numbers. Um, and, and that especially the net third down number, we're, we're above everybody at 30%. And then um, we're, we're twice as good at Bama on third down. They're at 15. Exactly. I mean, they convert at a less at 49%, and um, they stop third downs on 34%. So we beat them on both sides of the ball there. So Saturday, that's going to be a huge thing because we're not going to be able to convert on second down like we did against Tech and other teams all the time. There's going to be a lot of third downs in this game, and we're going to need to convert them, and we're going to need to stop them. Coach Holtz, what do you? What would you say if you were coaching the Bulldogs? Would be your keys to winning? I think leave it yourself first. <laughs> I say, what do you? What are you going to sacrifice tonight to make this happen? <laughs> I'd say you can only trust a handful of people, your family, the people you eat with, the people you pray with, and the people you live with. Then I'd say if we do lose, fellas, there's going to be tougher days than this in your life. One day you're going to go to work. The boss is going to fire you. You're going to drive, be driving home, scared to tell your wife you've lost your job. Your, your car's going to have a flat tire on the way home. Don't have to change it. That little donut tire. Drive home. You get home. You're going to walk in the door and tell your wife you've lost your job. And you're going to look up. Your kids are going to you're going to say, where's Baba? And they're going to say, Baba's run off with the drummer. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there will be tougher days in your life. But I don't expect Georgia to lose your football game. It'll be Kirby's bar. one. 600 games in a row. He, he, he seems to, to have a pretty uh, – he's grounded in blocking his tackle. It's like Coach Lee was. And uh, and I, I think he might knock his old nemesis down on uh, Saturday evening there in Mercedes Benz. So. <laughs> Bert. Bert. Yeah. What, you got something to follow that up? I do. I, I do. <laughs> One of the things that um, we talked about last year and we've talked about some this year is, you know, Graham Coffey <clears throat> over at Dog Central, he has this theory with Kirby and he had it with Munkin and now Bobo that they're playing the long con, which is we come out vanilla as much as we can over the course of the year and we don't show our cards in a lot of games. <clears throat> I think we did it last week against Tech, you know. Uh, we sat a lot of guys on the bench. We came out pretty vanilla on offense. Uh, we didn't blitz a lot. Um, you know, we didn't, we didn't show our cards. But the long con is basically Kirby knows that there are games that we're going to win, and he knows that those are the games that we use to get better and improve on the things that we may not be good at. And um, so we we've done that over the course of the year. There are games where he knows we've got to kind of come out blazing with both barrels, and we did that when we needed to. We did it against Ole Miss. We did it against Kentucky. We did it against Tennessee. And so if you kind of buy into this long con 
theory that Kirby develops over the course of the year, then, and you saw it play out last year it, between the SEC championship and the semifinal and the final, we went 50 points on offense, 42 points, and then 65 points. I mean, we, we did not hold anything back on offense in those games. And so if, if we're going to see this long con play out again, and hopefully we do, then um, we're, we're going to have a, a fully loaded offense that is motoring down the field in the SEC championship because that's what, that's what he's been working towards. I like it. I like it. You know, I, I didn't like the fact that we used uh, um, Dylan Bell, you know, end around pass to MRJS. I was like, we need to save that. But then my conspiracy theory is the next time we do it, Brock will be the one throwing the ball. Right. Yeah, we got variations of that play. And, you know, if they see him playing too aggressive on defense, that's when you break something like that out. Because, man, that thing worked to perfection, didn't oh, it? Oh, wow. I mean, he, he, he could have lobbed it 20 feet higher in the air and he could have caught it like a punt. I know. It's just like, get it to him. Don't, you know, don't let it hit the ground. Just throw that thing up in the air. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so that's it for me. That's all the stats we got. Um, you know, we've been, we, we, we knew this game was coming all year long. Um, yeah, I mean, the, uh, the last substantial play we had against these guys was the biggest third down of Bryce Young's career. Um, you know, they needed 10. Play clock was at four from the pocket. He launched it downfield. It was underthrown and intercepted. Keely Ringo had an escort down the sideline all the way to the end zone. And Dirty Dan Jackson sacrificed his body to make sure he went in untouched. Blew it up. Yep. Georgia conquered the Crimson Tide. In the immortal (laughs) words of Chris Fowler, yes, they did. Well, guys, I have let's do it again. Let's do it again. We it's like I told Cassidy, we're going to be back here next week. This time, all smiles. I promise. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, go dogs. Go dogs. Go dogs. Go dogs. Thrilled to have back Dari Noka from SEC Network on the go. What's up? (laughs) What's up, man? Uh, Don't try this at home. You know, doing a podcast while driving, but uh, you know, hey. We're doing it as safely as we can, right? I've got the phone right up here in my line of sight. There you go. There, and I'll let you know if there's any cars coming from behind you, like a cop with blue lights yeah, on. Yeah, would you? You see anything back there? No? Nothing. We okay? All right, good. <laughs> just, just so everybody knows, you, you're on the way back home after coming to the Macon Touchdown Club last night. You did an awesome job, man. Oh, thanks, dude. I appreciate it, man. I just stand up there and ramble. I don't know if I'm interesting or not, but, uh, you know, I just kind of stand up there and ramble. So No, I mean, you made that gymnasium just feel like a bunch of dudes sitting around chopping it up, you know, around like a over lunch or a campfire or something. Good, 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 good. That's fun. That's what I would rather. Like, that's, you know, one of the things about, I think, like all of us on, on the network, we just kind of want to, we're, we're no different than any of you guys, you know. We just kind of want to be able to sit back and BS a little bit. And, um, you know, we're just, we're just pretty laid back dudes, you know. Yeah, I mean, and, and you and, and CD and, and uh, Benjamin Watson, I mean, you guys just – you make the viewers feel like, you know, we're, we're, we're part of the group. Like, we're your college football expert buddies. 
Um, yeah. and, and it was funny what you were saying about CD last night about how he kind of counts it down. Like after week two, he's like, man, yeah. I can't believe it. I do that exact same thing. Like I, I mourn September. And like for him, it's the busiest time. Cause I mean, he flies into Charlotte from Gainesville every Thursday, does the Friday morning show with PB Friday night with us, Saturday with us stays Sunday because he's on, the simulcast Monday morning with PB on S, you know, as you see this morning. So it's like, you know, he's gone for four and a half days every week for 13 straight weeks. But man, he, he sure hates the thought of that not continuing, you know, year round. I mean, the thought that that, that has to end at some point every year drives him nuts, man. It's pretty funny, but he loves it. He loves it. And we all love that he does it. So, you know, well, it works out. And the funny thing is, is I think everybody listening totally was picking up what you're putting down because we're all such college football nuts that, you know, the off season is yeah. sad for everybody. It's like we went to camp and now we've gone home. Oh, for sure. I mean, like, you know, I'll, be, I'll still be doing, you know, studio stuff for basketball. It's just different. You know, it's just, you know, I love Pat Bradley and Fishback and all those guys. And like, I mean, I love working with them all. And, but it's just, it's a different vibe. You know, it's a different it's a different vibe when you're when you're doing basketball as opposed to football, for sure. OK, I got to ask you a follow up question from last night. You said that the ratings for SEC final were higher than SEC nation. Is that a true statement? So, OK, I got to be careful with this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there are certain things that I say in those clubs now. Um, so we don't have OK, so we don't have an official like, we don't publicize ratings on our network. I don't believe we ever have. But we have the ability to kind of see the in-house numbers. Okay. And, and so what I know is this, that SEC Football Final is always the highest-rated show on the SEC network. So those 13 shows or whatever rate higher than any other shows during the, on, on the network, which well, includes Nation. So I was kind of joking around last night about, you know, like, here's a probably a friendly little rivalry there, right? I mean, they right. got their big, they got their big on-site show. We got our end of night show in studio, and uh, you know the beauty of that is we love where we are because we can watch eight games at a time. We can watch all the games every day, every Saturday. We don't have to travel. We're not flying back anywhere, missing, you know, missing that great finish in wherever, you know. So. Uh, but it's awesome. But yeah, no, we we take a lot. I just say it this way: we take a lot of pride in in final. And um, let, let's also, like, keep in mind, too, as I'm doing this more politically correctly now than I probably did last night, <laughs> you know, a lot of your ratings come off of whatever leads into you, right? So they've got re-airs of Friday night's SEC now. We are coming off of a football game. Right. So naturally, we're going to start off with a much higher number, yeah. Well, but we're pretty love- proud of it. I love both shows. I can promise you that if I'm not in front of my TV for final, I'm recording it, and it's the first thing I'm watching uh, Sunday morning. Good, good, good. I love it. All right. So the the one thing that I want to talk about with you, no matter whatever we talk about, is all right. Georgia, obviously. I mean, put, putting aside the fact that we've won 45 out of the last 46. Putting aside the fact that we've lost, I mean, we've won the last two national championships. Um, you have to consider the fact that we've won 29 straight. 
We've been number one in the coaches poll and the AP poll since forever. Number one in, you know, the college football ratings most of the time. I don't understand a world where they think that we're the number one team in the country now and a potential loss to Alabama would somehow not make us one of the top four teams, one of the four best teams. Because I can promise you Vegas would have us favored against – Vegas would have us favored against FSU, against Washington, maybe even Oregon. You see where I'm going. Oh, no, I know. I I know where you're going. Uh, I I completely know where you're going. Um, And I'm not saying it would be right. So, you know, the committee's job – is to get the four best teams. But I think we all realize that that's not always the easiest thing to do. Sometimes, and they would never say it, but history would indicate it ends up being the four best records of Power Five Conference champion teams. It ends up being, they see, they also are very upfront about we value conference championships. Sometimes it ends up kind of being the most convenient teams, right? So in this world where we, if we're the committee, say we value conference championships and you have an undefeated ACC champion, Florida State, and an undefeated Big Ten champion, Michigan, and an undefeated Pac-12 champion, Washington, they all won every game they played. They are all Power Five conference champions. And then you've got Georgia who just lost its most recent game, is not a conference champion. I don't know how they put them in. I so, don't know how – I don't know. In fact, that is kind of the worst-case scenario for the SEC as a whole because if Texas wins, you know where I'm going, they're 12-1 and with the win over Alabama, who just beat Georgia, and you could make the case that Texas is that fourth team in and that neither of the SEC championship teams are in. They don't use Vegas. They do not use Vegas. They've got their own ways of justifying it. Now, strength of schedule, strength of record, um, conference titles, they all matter. But if, if you're telling me and them they've got three undefeated Power Five conference champions, I think they're putting all of them in because – what the hell is the point of the regular season and, and winning a conference championship if you can win all 13 of your games in a Power 5 league and not get in? So then it comes down to, wait, Alabama, Georgia, or Texas. And that's the conversation we just hope we don't have to have that Sunday. Okay, but the first thing you said is that their goal was to get the four best right. teams. So and, I don't think it, and I don't think it always works that way. That is their goal. So what you're going to have to tell them and get them to believe is that what they saw one day before when Alabama just beat Georgia, Georgia's still the better team. You're going to have to convince them that what they saw wasn't what they saw, that what they saw did not matter. So, okay, let's just, let's put the, um, let's say that the game goes down exactly like Alabama-Auburn. You got some fluky stuff at the end, like the muff punt. You got an impossible situation on fourth and goal from the 31. Alabama, Milrow makes that pass for Alabama to win on a walk-off by one point. Right. 
in that scenario, now Georgia's all of a sudden not one of the four best teams. They would have <laughs> just lost. David, they would have just lost. And they're not a conference champion. Okay. I let's... just don't I don't think that plays out well for Georgia. I don't think it does either, but it, it's it's I know life's not fair, but in that situation that wouldn't be fair. Now here's another so, issue. So okay. All right. If I'm Ward Manuel, the AD from Michigan, and I've got a vote here, do you think he's going to vote for Georgia? He ain't going to vote for Georgia. He doesn't want Georgia in there against Michigan. Well, I mean, it, that's probably fair, but, you know, he's one of, what, 12 or 13. His His vote isn't necessarily going to carry – the kind of weight it's going to take to keep Georgia out. Like, if Georgia doesn't get in, in my estimation, it's just simply because three other Power Five champs went undefeated and they just lost and they're not a conference champion. And a team that beat them will have won 11 games in a row, beating high-quality teams along the way. And the Auburn game shouldn't be held against Alabama, in my estimation, because it's just one of those games. Like, it's just you – know, the final score in Georgia, Georgia Tech wasn't overly impressive either. I know we all know that that game wasn't as close as that score would indicate, but, you know, Alabama won on the road at a tough place to play. I know New Mexico State did the same thing, but let's be real. We all know that was a different Auburn team that showed up, and we know what happens in rivalry games. Well, but what I'm saying is, is, is if I'm Ward Manuel, and he shouldn't be in that room to begin with, but that's a whole nother conversation. I don't want Michigan to play Georgia. I'm going to make the case for all these other teams to be in because he's okay. probably scared of Georgia. Now, flip it over. If we've got Josh Brooks in that room instead of Ward Manuel, people are losing their minds. They're talking about, oh, it's not fair. You've got Georgia's AD in the room. He's going to make the case that Georgia beat Kentucky. He's going he to be. Can't. He, can't. he can't make the case because he's got to be out of the room. Any conversation that involves Georgia, he would have to be out of the room. Any conversation that involves Michigan, Ward Manuel's got to be out of the room. I, I get now, that. I don't know if that conversation would include who Michigan would play, but so he probably wouldn't be out of the room the entire time. But when judging Michigan's worthiness or seating, he would obviously have to be out of the room. But he's going to be in the room when they're talking about who Michigan potentially plays. So, so let's simplify this for just a minute. Don't lose to Bama. <laughs> right, right. Right. But, but if, you know listen, if you are as good as Georgia thinks they are and you think they are, you, we don't have to have the conversation. You're going to beat Alabama. You're going to be the one seed. You're going to probably go play in New Orleans or, yeah, New or is it New Orleans? Yeah, New Orleans and Pasadena. You're going to go to New Orleans. And you're going to play whoever you play, and then all good. But if you beat Bama, and here's the beauty of this sport, you have opened up the door for conversations that become very, very, very uncomfortable if Bama beats you. And, um, you know, look, you, you could maybe avoid disaster by having Florida State, Michigan, or Washington lose, or Texas even. Um, you would probably need both two of those to lose. I, I think, like, I, I just – I think if Alabama hits a 59-yard field goal at the Horn, Washington, Florida State, 
and Georgia are all undefeated. I mean, and uh, Michigan are all undefeated. I think Georgia's out. I'm not saying that's right. I'm not saying I wouldn't take Georgia laying points against every damn one of those teams a week later. I would. But they would have just lost their conference championship game, be sitting at 12-1, and and the committee is going to have to justify either leaving out an undefeated Power 5 conference champ or the team that just beat Georgia or the team that beat the team that just beat Georgia. And I just don't think – I don't think that – that goes in your favor, right or wrong. I mean, I, I agree. They would be leaving out one of the four best teams. And we'll have debates forever and ever about how the last year of a four-team playoff, the best team in the country, did not have a chance to win the national championship. And, but that's the playoff. And, and, and zero people outside of the state of Georgia will feel sorry for us, and I get that. Well, one last thing. I think it would be easy for the committee to say – a one-loss Georgia versus at Jordan Travis-less Florida State who just beat yeah. 15th-ranked Louisville. I mean, come on. You, Yeah, that that's a case they could make. That's absolutely a case they could make. But you still have an issue, and that issue would be Texas. Right. Okay, so Texas goes to Bryant-Denny, beats a team that beat you on a neutral field, quote-unquote. Neutral field. So, I, I just I, – I, I'm with you. Like, I, I think they're all going to watch tape, you know, Rodemeyer closely, uh, Rodemaker. I think Rodemaker played well enough. He was very shaky for Florida State in the first half in Gainesville. I thought he was a lot better in the second half. They obviously can run the ball really, really well, and they have a great defense. You know, Cardale Jones kind of messed that up for everybody, you know, who's, who's rooting against Florida State right now because – they put him in the playoff after one career start. They won the national championship in 2014 at Ohio State. So, you know, <laughs> not to say Jordan Travis isn't a stud. He is, and everybody loved watching him play. I mean, I'm a huge Jordan Travis fan. But, you know, if Rodemaker leads them to a win against Louisville and looks good in the process, they're not going to hold that against them. Right. And just sidebar, the the Florida-Florida State game – Talk to me about how it killed CD. I mean, just just how the different things they did, you know, the spitting in the face, the targeting. They could have won that game so many times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, no, and he knows that. And that's, you know, you go back to the first game at Utah. They, you know, from, from senseless false starts to having two guys with the same number on a punt, uh, they gave the ball right back to Utah. Um, they've been undisciplined the majority of the season, so a lot of that stuff he's just come to expect from Florida this year, uh, unfortunately enough, you know. Uh, but he hates Florida State more than anybody in, in the country. Um, you know, he roots for Georgia, you know, that Florida-Georgia thing. Once he became part of the network and really, you know, got to appreciate Georgia, and he, he's got nothing against Georgia. He hates Florida State with a passion. So, uh, yeah, no, that, that was driving him pretty crazy. I love to watch him and uh, Watson do their little fun, little sparring back and forth. You know, they're so passionate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's awesome. And, you know, that, and that's the thing, I mean, about this league. We all love, you know, we all love our schools. And, and those guys are will always be tied to their schools. Um, you know, and, and it's great. But it's funny because Ben was rooting really hard for Florida during that game. Uh, you know, and CD certainly was rooting for Georgia against Tech. Yep. 
All right. You made a statement last night. I'm not going to try it, repeat it, but because I know you can easily that I, nobody I'd never heard anyone make, which was about um, Jimbo and Jameis Winston. <laughs> so t- tell us again what you said last night, because that was well, awesome. so first of all, I would need to verify Jameis's NFL income, but right. I'm assuming that was an easily verifiable thing by whoever I heard say it, and I heard it said in the national media. So Jimbo's entire reputation was, was, in my estimation, was formed by winning a national championship, and that national championship had one of the great quarterbacks in, in college football, right, Jameis Winston. And Jimbo, with Jameis's success at Florida State, became kind of this quarterback whisperer, this offensive genius, this offensive guru, all of these things that that were placed upon Jimbo Fisher and his reputation. So, you know, Jameis, in my estimation, is a huge part of what, you know, Jameis is to Jimbo what I think maybe Tom Brady is to Bill Belichick. Right. To some degree, right? And so Jameis goes to the NFL, Jimbo's – situation at Florida State kind of starts going south and he goes to Texas A&M. Why was he so desirable by Texas A&M? Because he won a national championship at Florida State. National championship head coaches aren't falling off trees anywhere. And oh, by the way, he helped put Jameis Winston in the NFL, right? So his reputation was really made by Jameis Winston. But in the end, Texas A&M is paying Jimbo Fisher more money to not coach that program anymore to the tune of 76 plus million dollars than Jameis Winston has made his entire NFL career. So the guy that made Jimbo has made less money in the NFL than Jimbo is going to make to leave College Station, Texas. I that's think crazy. that's an incredible, incredible thing. It really is. I mean, I'd never thought about that. That's maybe the stat of the year. All right, taking it a step further, did Jimbo, was Jimbo the coach that recruited Jameis Winston? Yeah, I think he was, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Jameis, remember, was an Alabama commit. He's from Hueytown, Alabama, and uh, ended up at Florida State. Yeah, Jimbo got Jameis there. Okay, well, at least he did that. Yeah, he did that. Well, he can recruit. I mean, there's no doubt he can recruit. And so he doesn't even have a mitigation clause. Like he could go to Rice and still be making that seventy-six million until it's paid out, right? He can double dip all he wants. Wow. At some point he will be. Yeah, it's pretty wild, man. You know, those clauses kind of all. What do they call offset clause? Right? They mm-hmm. don't have an offset clause or something. And uh, that's kind of the standard now with big-time college football coaching hires. Uh, I mean, when they say it's guaranteed, it's guaranteed. It's not. It doesn't go away because you get another job and somebody else starts to pay you. Except for maybe what, like a moral turpitude clause that that got yeah. kicked in with Mel Tucker. Correct. Yeah, I mean that's fired for cause. So, but right. if you get fired and it's not something like, you know, hitting on a woman who you brought into your program to teach guys about sexual harassment, you know, then you're okay. Right. Right. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> moving right along. Um, so now that Jimbo is out, are we down to only three active coaches that have won a national championship? Saban, uh, Dabo, and Kirby? Yeah. I, I, 
uh, as far as head coaches, I mean, Chizik's a coordinator, and he's won one. Right. Uh, yeah, it, is that, that's probably right, right? Uh, I mean, yeah. think of who's. That's yeah, it. Yeah, no Urban, no Urban, no Stoops, no. Yeah, probably it. Probably it. That's wild. That is wild. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. So I mean, they're not falling off trees, you know. Oh they no, four. Mac, Mac, Mac Brown too. Ah, yeah. I knew there had to be another one. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think Mac Brown? You know, he's got to retire soon. Maybe not. Maybe he loves it so much he goes ten more years. But is, I think he's got at least one. Okay. Um, I, 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 there's a competitiveness to him that I believe he's still got one. Now, you know, he loses Drake May. I don't know how much of, you know, his happiness there is contingent upon having a top five pick in the NFL drafted quarterback. I would suspect some, but, you know, I, from those that I've talked to, I, I don't think he's done yet at this point. I don't think he's done yet. Do you think Chizik wants another run as the top dog? I think so. Yeah, I mean, I do think that if if that program has a really, really good year before Mac leaves, you know, I think I think that Bubba Cunningham, their SI, their AD, probably would allow Mac to have a significant say so in who his successor is. And it isn't just because of what Max done on this stint at UNC. It's what he did in his first stint in the '90s, and he was really good there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Mac, you know, Mac and Chizik are best friends, and, and that's really why Chizik even went to coach there as a DC, is he couldn't say no to Mac. So I think Mac would try to get Chiz that job. Um, now the defense hasn't been very good. It started mm-hmm. the season much improved from last year, um, but it, it's kind of fallen apart a little bit, and and that's you know, a bummer and disappointing. And I don't know how that plays into Chiz's future there, but um, if Mac has his say, so then yeah, Chiz will get another shot when Mac steps away. Well, I thought it was very interesting that you guys said you had your, uh, your Chizik TV set up every week. So you could see how he's doing. Um, yep. it, I mean, it's like, you guys are like family. You're like brothers. Oh, for sure. Uh, we still, we still talk. We text all the time. I mean, you know, the group text between me, Doring, Chizik, our producer, Brad Buchanan. Um, no, it's bouncing around all the time. Um, you know, we, we, we miss him, and he he loved what he did with us. And uh, now it's always it's always good to, to, to see to see his text come 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 rolling in. He's hilarious. I mean, he's he's having a good time doing this, but at the same time, I think that he, you know, he certainly acknowledges it's different than it used to be. I mean, it's, you know, he's a little more old school, you know, this idea of, of, of having to, you know, when you're recruiting a kid, having to see what kind of money you can find him somewhere. That's not what he wants to do. And, but that's kind of where it is these days. All right. Well, I know you've got a uh, very important call coming up with uh, your daughter. So let's just go straight to some picks. Florida State, Louisville. Sounds good. Florida State. That was easy. Pretty easily. Uh, Another easy one. (laughs) 
Michigan, Iowa. I think it'll be closer than most people would think, but Michigan will win. But, but. I'm going to say Iowa in an upset, three to two. And I, a late goal. Good. Exactly. Um, your 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 favorite team, the Oklahoma State Cowboys against Texas. I think Texas is is considerably better. There's something right now with this Cowboys team, and it starts after they lost back to back to home game to South Alabama, game at Iowa State. They were two and two. They had a bye week. People started Gundy's job was in jeopardy. Nobody played for him anymore. So on and so forth. They came out of the bye week. And win and won the rest of the way and beat good teams in the way. I think it's going incredibly close. This this might be good of a championship game as we have this week. I'll I'll say Texas wins, but it's going to scare the heck out of the lot. This is a potential upset that could happen. It sounds like you agree. For sure. I absolutely, which would be great for Alabama, Georgia, every other team in others is trying to get a one loss Oregon and whatever. Yes, they need Texas to lose. I don't think they lose, but I think it'll be, I think it'll be uncomfortable. Okay. So speaking of Oregon, Oregon and Washington. Oregon. I think Oregon's a better. I think Oregon on a neutral field, um, the way that they're playing defensively, are playing. I think Oregon beats Washington Friday night, which certainly is the door for more conversations. Yeah. I mean, Washington has just been tempting fate for so long. I feel like really, you know, Dan Lanning changes one decision in the last go round, and they win, and we're not even talking about Washington. Um, so then, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Okay, here's how I'm going to tee this up the true national championship of this year goes down in Atlanta in the bins amongst the two best teams, and that's Alabama and Georgia. Who wins? I will take Georgia in a really good game. I, I'm not against the program, a team that's won 29. Um, I think it's the first, the first time Georgia beats the SEC championship game. And then we don't have to, you dogs don't have to worry your tails off. on. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Now, I, I don't know if you know this. Did you know that, did you know, did you know, to my knowledge, Alabama has never lost in that stadium. That may be right. That may be right. Yeah, I've kind of forgotten about that. Exactly right. I don't think I have. Well, you know what? All streaks have to be sometimes. I just don't think it'll be George's winning streak. 
the, the other thing is, is this is kind of the last thing on the board that Kirby hasn't achieved. He has not beaten Saban in an SEC championship. I mean, and, and I honestly, he probably, I don't even know there's so much about that. It's about winning the national championship. You can't do that. It, well, you likely can't do that if you don't win on Saturday. So, you know, Kirby's so hyper-focused on his team and one game at a time. I don't know that he even cares about the individualism of a win against Saban, but, you know. He knows that it's unlikely to win a third straight national title if they don't. If they don't. I agree. I agree. Well, Dari, I'm, I'm not going to run you all the way up to uh, your call time, and uh, i got to get some work done myself So, uh, with my day job. So are, are you? Yeah, exactly. So you're gonna you're not gonna be at the game. You're gonna be in Charlotte. Yeah, I'm gonna be in Atlanta today. We're gonna do programming throughout the day, and then I'm going back Saturday morning. So I'll be watching. All right. Well, I hope the next time I see you, I'm happy. <laughs> You'll be happy no matter what, man. It's just a game, right? No, no, it's not just a game. It's the source of a great deal of the happiness in my life. I hear you. I know it. I know. I chuckle at the same thing to myself. All right. Beast, thank you again. Be safe on your ride back. Go dogs. And thanks once again, man. You're awesome. So we wanted to take some time to give a special shout out mention to our sponsors. Um, personally by me because of how much we appreciate it and them allowing us to do what we do. These are not just companies, faceless companies. These are people, people that are friends. Uh, I've done business with each and every one of them in the past and with a lot of them continue to do business. So it's a long list. So uh, listen up while I enjoy a Budweiser Zero. All the great taste of Budweiser with none of that pesky alcohol. And there's a story here. So I'll be enjoying this crisp, clean beverage. Well, I'll tell you a few stories. Let's kick it off with the Sanford Company. The Sanford Company is owned by, of course, John Neal, and he is uh, what I don't even know where to start with him. It's worth doing this podcast for his sponsorship alone. He is such a massive supporter of this show. He lets me go to the Sanford Company suite in Sanford Stadium for every single home game, and it's like, it's not like flying first class. It's like flying on a PJ, a, a private jet. And, you know, you're up there with unlimited food, unlimited candy, unlimited desserts, catered meal, TVs everywhere, inside, outside. And uh, for every home game for the last three years, imagine that. For this ride, every single home game in Sanford Stadium, I have been there. We have not lost a single one of those games. 
So if that's not enough, he flies us down to Georgia, Florida. And when people ask me, how do you get all these guests? Well, it starts with John Neal because John Neal knows everybody. Um, how do you get Brian Kemp? Because Brian Kemp is his friend. They went to Georgia together. He's on speed dial for John. Um, how do you get Herschel Walker? John Neal. How do you get Lindsey Scott? John Neal. So, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. So, uh, a big thank you to John Neal and everybody at the Sanford company. You know, y'all are like family and um, can't say enough about that. Um, Bulldog Illustrated, where we have first bought our first ad uh, when we thought this was going to be a one and done. I've known Vance Levy since about 1991. As I've said before, we uh, we blazed a wild, wide trail in Athens of uh, scorched earth in our wake. And Vance has just been somebody that I've kept in touch with over the years. We have a lot of the similar, similar taste in music. Um, and I remember when he first came to me, when he was starting Bulldog Illustrated and telling me about it. And I just thought that it was the coolest concept in the world. And I was so happy for him to be chasing his passion. And, um, and so, of course, that was the first call I made. If we were going to do this thing, we had to advertise to the hardcore dog fans and that is the readers of Bulldog Illustrated. If you want to know anything about Georgia football, if you want to know all of the inside information, it's right there in one publication. Uh, I like to read the physical copy because I'm old school, but it's also out there online. So a big thank you to Vance and Cherie for, um, for your partnership. Um, the next one is uh, a, a kind of a crazy story, and that's with Dogbone. Dogbone is uh, an online clearinghouse, like a news aggregator, like the Drudge Report for anything Georgia Bulldog related. It pulls stories from everywhere. It, it pulls all the Bulldog Illustrated stories in there. And it's been my go-to source for as long as I can remember. And I did not realize till we started doing this podcast that it was actually started and run by four of my fraternity brothers uh, in Athens. And that's how we got to Deke Wiggins. That's how we got to Bert Hodges, the stat freak. And uh, just, you know, had a blast with these guys for three years. Of course, they have, you know, our icon, our hot link front and center on their website. Go to the dog bone for anything that you want to know about dog football because it's got it all there. Um, next, making monogramming, who uh, we partner with on our merch. Um, you know, I've known Brad Michael 40 years. My wife graduated with him from high school. He's got a great business here in town for uh, all kinds of specialty products. If you want to print up, you know, a round of your own shirts, a round of your own pullovers, hats, you want to get anything monogrammed, he is the go-to guy. All of the different companies in town, when they want to logo their apparel, they go to Brad Michael. He's done a great job with our t-shirts. You know, we've got, he did a great job with our hats. We've got pullovers this year. Uh, he's so easy to work with. You know, it's like when you come by, he's, he's happy to see you, man. He wants to talk about more than just merchandise. He wants to talk about life. And, uh, and, and that's what it's all about. Um, can't say enough about this next one, and that is the Park Group, which is where I am right now, which is where we record this podcast every week. The Park Group is Scott Park. Uh, my partner in all this, and uh, also his wife, Dana. And he's the one who um, 
does all the technical stuff that I can't do. I'm terrible with anything technology related. So he makes all of this happen. He does all the editing, all the graphics, all the music. That's Scott Park. Uh, he's a great friend. Another person I've probably been friends with for 40 years, went to Georgia with, um, and he's just fun to work with. He's kind of the polar opposite of me. I'm have been accused of being an, an excitable boy. Uh, Scott is very even keeled, very low key. He can tell me what will work and more importantly, what won't work. And, uh, you know, it's the glue that holds this whole thing together. Uh, last in sponsor is the classic city collective, which, uh, is our, our contact there is my friend, Stephen farmer. He's the chief revenue officer, uh, someone that I've known, uh, for years and again, through John Neal, uh, and he's part of the, uh, the NIL arm that, that funds a lot of these players, you know, staying in Athens, the guys, they're not, they're not looking to get rich. They're looking to make a couple thousand dollars a month so that they can stick around and try and win another championship and not, you know, run to make a big money play on the West coast or wherever, you know, these guys are trying to make a couple thousand dollars, maybe to pay rent, send them some money home to their family so they can buy groceries. Um, keep us competitive with everything that's else that's out there. Uh, again, we're not trying to make people rich by playing football. We're trying to keep them there so they can make their money on Sundays where the real money is. And so the classic city collective is vital to that. And I encourage everyone to go out there and donate. Okay. I got a lot more. So listen up the Finchers, Fincher brothers, Jake and Doug. I've known them close to 50 years. Fincher's Barbecue is barbecue that's literally out of this world. It's the only barbecue that went to space. Um, Sonny Carter was an astronaut, was given the, uh, an option to bring one thing into space. He wanted Fincher's Barbecue. They literally had to get with NASA scientists to figure out how to freeze dry it, dehydrate it, take it up to space where he could then rehydrate it. And it's a crazy story and it sounds like, like it's made up, but it's not. And, uh, these, this is just a great family. Um, three restaurants in Macon, one on one Robbins. The on Houston is my favorite. Uh, it's very nostalgic. It's like going back in time. So, you know, they've got all the things that you would expect. You know, they've got pulled pork, chicken, ribs. They got some of the best Brunswick stew in the world and, and some unexpected things that, like their hamburger. Everybody loves Fincher's hamburger. And then think that you, don't know about like their smoked wings, which are not on the menu. They're only done through catering and they're the best wings in town. So uh, the Fincher brothers are like brothers and um, they have been just loyal supporters from the get go. And so I thank them from the bottom of my heart. Cherokee brick been a wonderful supporter of not only the bulldogs, but of, of this podcast from the very start. Uh, no questions asked. Yes, we're in. Uh, that I can't tell you how many times I've bought brick from these guys from, uh, from building houses, from this house I just renovated. Um, they got a very impressive operation. It's a, it's probably a hundred year old company. One of those old line making companies. Uh, they've got a wonderful location down in the industrial district. And I mean that it's very cool to me to see how things are made and how these guys make bricks. So, uh, to Mike Peavy and the Sam's family, I say thank you very much. And if you ever need any bricks, you need to call them. Next up, Sellers Construction, which is, of course, Raider Sellers. 
sellers and and it's actually they're a family of companies that use sellers construction on here but you've got sellers construction which is actually uh in mining they do a lot in the mining industry uh in the kaolin industry they've also got sellers contracting which is a commercial grader they've got sellers transport which moves heavy equipment to these mining sites and uh raider big red he's a ginger um Big personality, hilarious guy. I've known him since about 1983 when he first showed up in town and told me that he was going to kick my ass if I didn't stop being mean to his sister. I had to quickly explain to him that his sister was the one being mad to me. And from then we played football together and have been great friends ever since. We've done a lot of business together and um, can't say, you know, thank you to Raider enough. He's one of the OG sponsors of the, uh, of the Mad Dog Show. And uh, just a great guy all around. Go Clean Co. Go Clean Co. is owned by Matt Wilds. And they are a uh, remediation and restoration company. Let's say, you know, your hot water heater in the attic fails, rains down water all over your house. You got to rip out sheetrock. You got to rip out, you know, insulation, everything. Well, not only do they take that out, but then they repair everything. So, Matt's somebody I've done business with. Matt is somebody that, um, you know, I've had to use at my house when I had a shower fail. And uh, he's just a very quickly growing company. He's franchising it. He's here local. Another ginger. Um, so I've got three gingers on so far. I've got Jake Fincher, Raider Sellers, Matt Wilds. Very ginger friendly here. Scott Park is actually a ginger. Man, we're very, I didn't realize how ginger friendly we are. Um, but Matt's based and actually in Bolingbroke, just north of Macon. If you ever have any needs in the remediation, if you have, you know, a catastrophic failure, hopefully you won't. If you do, that is the guy you need to call. Ortho, Georgia. I don't know where to start with them. I've done a lot of business with them um, starting before they were even Ortho, Georgia, back in uh, 1982 when I blew my knee out playing midget football in Macon. Uh, Emory Johnson had to uh, repair my ACL. Uh, over the years, I've had some um, other follow-up issues with that. And, uh, you know, I've gone to see Dr. Richard Thomas, who said that I'm a three-time loser with my knee and I should just get a cortisone shot. And that was great advice because it brought my knee back from the dead. Haven't had any problems since then. But, you know, the ortho George star here is, of course, Ryan Snesser, who we call Dr. Feelgood. Uh, and, you know, he has ultimate credibility as an orthopedic surgeon. He also has credibility because he played offensive line at Georgia. Uh, he comes in and gives his expert advice on things going on each and every week, all the way up to, you know, with the tightrope surgery. You know, he brought in uh, visual aids. If you were like me, you had no idea what's going on with tightrope surgery. Well, he showed us all how that works. He's also instrumental in getting guests like David Green. We had a blast chopping it up with David, you know, for a couple of weeks, talking about hobnail boot, talking about his relationship with Mike Bobo. Um, now, we'll say Ryan is a spinal surgeon, so you, you, you don't want to go see him. But if you have spine issues, uh, pain, things of that nature, uh, that is the guy you want to talk to. And Ortho Georgia is uh, the name uh, in orthopedic needs, not only in middle Georgia, but throughout the state. Next up are my friends at the Butler Auto Group. And this is, uh, you know, this is Marsh Butler. This is Morris Butler. I deal with them mostly, uh, but there also is Dixie Butler and Bonnie Butler. And, um, you know, even, even 
Dixie's husband, Doug Clark, comes in and does some uh, some freelance video work from us from time to time. I think the Butler Auto Group is up to 15 flags, 15 different dealerships, 15 different franchises, and nicer people you will never meet. And that goes all the way to the top with Marshall Butler, who is um, kind of the uh, the founder of all of this and, and helped grow this with his sons. And uh, if anybody you know, ask about the butlers. They're, they're the gold standard when it comes to the auto business here in town. Everything from, you know, I've bought cars from them. I've had collision work done with them. I've had uh, mechanical work done with these guys. I bought more cars than I can remember. They both went to Georgia. Uh, great friends with our family. So if you ever have any kind of car need, you need to reach out to the butlers. They're not hard to find. Next up, Progressive Communications. Mark Hurt. Guess what he is? He is also a ginger. And I did not realize this. I started going through this list. Um, but Mark, his wife, Teresa, and their kids are great friends with our family. Our kids are friends. Graduated from uh, high school together. And Mark's just done an amazing job with building up progressive communications uh, to handle the IT needs for uh, companies throughout the state, maybe beyond that. So if you think about it this way, say you're a school system and you need to replace all your IT. Well, that's what Progressive Communications comes in and does. You know, they remove the existing system, install the new one. They not, not only do that, they provide all the tech support for it. And, you know, some companies in that space specialize in certain industries, um, but Progressive Communication do it all, whether it's education, whether it's healthcare, uh, you know, medical pharma, um, these guys can do it, and, and Mark's just just a, a great guy, as is his wife, Teresa. So if you ever have a need like that, then uh, definitely look them up. Jay Lee. Jay Lee is not a ginger, but he is a local attorney. Uh, he uh, grew up in Milledgeville, went to the University of Georgia. A more fun guy to go see a Georgia football game with, you will not find. He has been known to carry uh, a bones into the game where he will uh, rattle people's skulls, not directly, but as he hits metal benches, he particularly likes to do that at Georgia Tech games. They've had to hide his bone from him several times. Um, and Jay is a character, man. He is somebody that is so much fun to hang out with. If you ever have any, any needs in the legal realm, I highly recommend that you talk to Jay. Speaking of Jay, next up is Jay Cranford. Another person that I feel like I've known all my life. I think I first knew of Jay Cranford from uh, from Midget Football Days back in about 1977. Jay's a great athlete. Uh, football, basketball, baseball. He played baseball at Georgia. He played pro baseball for a while. And uh, he has Cranford Chiropractic Clinic. And um, somebody yet again that I've done business with when I've had back problems. I've had to go in there. Uh, Jay will either give me an adjustment, hook me up with a TENS unit or both, tell me exactly what I need to do so that I don't have to come back and see him. And that's a big difference uh, with Jay and a lot of chiropractors. A lot of chiropractors want to make sure that you're coming back regularly. That's not Jay. Jay's honest as the day is long. He's going to tell you exactly what you need to do to take care of yourself so that you don't come back. And um, just a nicer guy you will never meet, ever, ever meet. Um, ASP, I've got a long history with ASP. ASP stands for America's Swimming Pool Company. And that was originally started by Stuart Vernon here locally. 
and Stewart quickly teamed up after forming the company when he got into franchising with Tom Swift. And they took this thing coast to coast. Uh, at one time, my brother and I had a franchise uh, up in Athens that we started at the world's worst time in 2008. Um, and uh, we subsequently got out with our shirts, were made whole. And uh, with one of our partners just took it to the next level. And so what these guys do is anything pool related they can do, whether that's, um, of course, treat your pool weekly. Uh, if you need to renovate a pool, if you need to build a pool, we recently had to uh, renovate a pool. And so we worked with the local franchisee here, Adam Cochran, for a complete redo, which is, you know, the, the coping, the decking, the bottom of the pool, the lights, these guys can do it all. And, um, if you need something done with your pool, need anything done with your pool locally, give, uh, Adam a call. And if you're anywhere else, <laughs> literally coast to coast, you can look those guys up and I'm sure they are where you live. Next up, another guy that I've known forever. This guy, like since 1975, and that's Dev Donnelly with Peach Services. This is a second generation company. Uh, the great thing about them is Peach stands for plumbing electrical, cooling, heating. So I recently went through an entire renovation of my house. And rather than having to call a plumber, an electrician, and an HVAC guy, I just called Dev. One call and he could do all of that. And, and, and it cut out a very painful part of that process, which is coordinating between contractors. Uh, Dev is an engineer. So um, he's extremely well-versed. And not only all things, you know, HVAC, electrical, and plumbing, you, you just need an engineer in general when you're doing a lot of this stuff, trust me. And Dev is so responsive, uh, so organized. You know, I send him a text to say, hey, I need your help. He's sending me an automated text saying, hey, our technician will be at your address, to, you know, today at two o'clock. And then they show up and they get it done. And they're with great guys um, that, you know, I will leave my door open and my house empty for them to work in my house. And I have zero concerns about it. How about that? Are there many contractors you can do that with? And the answer is no. So thank you, Dev, for all you've done uh, for the podcast. And for me personally, uh, I think over the last five houses that I've had up next, it's, it's, you'll see it advertises Jags pizza, but it's really a family of restaurants. Some of Macon's best restaurants uh, Miramar, Circa here in Macon are, are just local favorites. And then they recently acquired Grits up in Forsyth, which is uh, very, very fine dining, but not at an expensive price point. Uh, this is Ryan Griffin. Again, somebody I've done business with uh, on the banking side of things because Ryan has various interests outside of the restaurant world. He's a, a big um, real estate developer. Um and just a nicer guy you won't find. And I promise you won't find better food than you find at those family of restaurants. So check those out. And yes, coming up next, this is getting weird, but it's another ginger. It's Wesley Walthall from Walthall Oil, another multi-generational old line making company. Um, Walthall Oil has been providing anything oil and gas related uh, in the middle Georgia area and beyond for this is probably the third generation. Wesley was a, a big supporter, a little bit skeptical at first. He's told me the first year, no, 
second year, not yet. He said, if you make it to the third year and we're still winning national championships, I'm in. We did. Wesley kept his word, jumped in, and uh, we cannot say thank you enough to Wesley and his dad, Frank. Um, they also own, I should say, uh, numerous convenience stores throughout middle Georgia, and they're the nicest ones. They're the ones where you go, okay, I don't mind stopping there, and here's the ultimate compliment you can give them, that you would use their restroom. There's not many convenience stores where you would use their restroom. Walthall Oil, yes, you would. I know that's not what you want to be known for, but compliments to you for having that distinction. All right, one of our new ones, Willingham Sash and Door. This is Brian Smith. I've known the Smith family for about 50 years. Uh, when you need custom, uh, you know, woodworking done, we, again, renovating our house. We had two custom windows that were rotted out, something that you cannot go pick up off the shelf at Lowe's. So called Brian up. He said, yep, I'll come out. I'll measure it. Custom built two windows for us. Looked like the originals the ultimate craftsmanship. And I cannot recommend these guys highly enough. Um, lifelong family friends, uh, Brian's brother, youngest brother, Adam, uh, lifelong friends with my brother, Chris, also with Jake Fincher. Uh, Alex went to Georgia with him, also lifelong friends. So just another wonderful making family that if you ever have any needs like that, you definitely need to call Willingham Sash and Door. I don't know if I got any more gingers on this list, but next on the list is Pelicano Construction. And uh, my primary point of contact is Michael Garrison. Um, known Michael since high school and his wife. Kids went to school together. Um, done business with him in the past and then recently did a lot of business with him when Pelicano uh, built our bank for us here in town, Colony Bank. Uh, not only did they do a great job, it's a beautiful building, but they did it and they finished ahead of schedule and in budget. So when you have a project of that nature, to be able to say you did that is rare. And so uh, I can't recommend Pelicano Construction highly enough. They also did uh, a new office for us in Albany prior to that. Uh, they're just the gold standard for commercial construction. And uh, if you need anything in that realm, you need to give them a call. Uh, Ward Mini Storage. Now, this guy, he may have had red hair, but it was so long ago, I, I can't even remember. But that is Clint Ward and his dad, Tom. Mini Storage is exactly what it sounds like. Uh, you know, I've used many of their mini storage facilities in the course of moving, in the course of needing a place to store things for my kids. Uh, the Wards really got their name and making from custom home building. They have since progressed from that to doing uh, large multifamily projects. And by that, I mean apartments um, and just great all around people, uh, both Tom and his dad. And so if you ever have any, any mini storage needs, um, that's who you need to call. You need to call the wards. Clint is also an accomplished author and outdoorsman. He wrote a book about it and I uh, highly recommend that book as well. I believe it's called Tales from My Father. Um, but just great people. And, uh, and I want to thank them from the bottom of my heart. Now, last on the list, but not least, Bib Distributing. Bib Distributing is why I am right now drinking a Budweiser Zero. Budweiser Zero has no alcohol. It's got all the great taste of Budweiser. I guarantee if you had a blind taste test, 
you would not be able to tell the difference. Budweiser Zero is an official sponsor of the Mad Dog Show, and that's a big deal um, for a lot of reasons. For a lot of reasons, and and I didn't know this, but did you know that Dwayne Wade was who partnered with Budweiser um, to come up with Budweiser Zero? And 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 part of the reason was he said I uh, wanted to bring the first alcohol-free beer to, to life. And he wanted Bud Zero to be a game changer by letting athletes enjoy the taste of a refreshing beer without impacting their mental and physical game. So basically, you can drink and play sports now. You can still have all the great taste of beer. It's got absolutely zero alcohol in it. And it's a part of, you know, they, they're committed now to foster a culture of disciplined drinking behavior. So what does that mean? There's a lot of situations where you can use alcohol-free beer. Maybe you've just quit drinking, but you like the taste of beer. Boom, there you have it. Maybe you drink, but you're the designated driver that night. Boom, Budweiser Zero. Maybe you have a runaway buzz. What is a runaway buzz? A runaway buzz is exactly what it sounds like. You know, you're maybe you didn't eat before you started drinking, or maybe you had too much too fast and you need to put the brakes on that buzz, but you want to keep drinking, mix in some Budweiser zeros. You're still going to have the same taste of same great taste of Budweiser, but you're going to put the brakes on that buzz so you can come in and land the plane soft and slow. So Budweiser zero, I highly recommend it. I did not just go out and get this off the shelf. I got this out of my refrigerator at home because they taste great. You know, I can only drink so many Coke Zeros. I love Coke Zero, but it's a lot of sugar. This is a great way to break this up. You know, if you're on the river and you need, I don't want to drink a 12 pack of Coke Zero, but I do like the taste of beer, Budweiser Zero. If you are on the golf course, same thing, Budweiser Zero. Sometimes you want to go home at lunch. And you want to have a beer, but you can't drink alcohol and go back to work. Budweiser Zero. So again, this sponsorship is coming via Bib Distributing, and Bib Distributing is Win Stewart, another multi generation company. They distribute all of Anheuser Busch products. Uh, Win is just a great guy, uh, very accomplished, even outside of the uh, Bib Distributing world. Went to Georgia, um, really fun guy to talk to, a big community guy. Uh, when I talked to him about the podcast, he, he didn't even hesitate. He said, sure, I'm in. And so we've been talking about this Budweiser Zero sponsorship for a while and uh, very excited about this. So put some of this in your fridge, give it a taste test, give it a try, mix it in. I promise you won't be disappointed. So that is a long list of sponsors and friends, really, that I can't say thank you enough to. Um, you know, you guys are the reason why we've been able to do this podcast. And it's been <laughs> literally a magical run, a run that uh, has no end in sight. How about that? So go dogs, And we will see you back. This, like I said, we're going to see you back next week. And we're all going to have smiles on our faces saying HBTFD.
The Mad Dog Show is proudly sponsored by The Samford Company, Dogbone.net, Bulldog Illustrated, Classic City Collective, The Park Group Marketing and Media, Bib Distributed, Sellers Construction, Ventures Barbecue, Go Clean Co., Jay Lee, Attorney at Law, Pelicano Construction, Jags Pizzeria, Macon Monogramming, Ortho Georgia, Cherokee Brick, Progressive Communications, Butler Auto Group, ASP, Ward Mini Storage, Walthall Oil Company, Beach Services, Willingham Sash and Door, and Grenford Chiropractic.